0: Welcome back, Red Spotters. I'm sure the Red Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Alexis Soto, joined by Mr. Peter Martinez, as I usually am. And today we are joined with a very uh, a special appearance by Mr. Kyle O'Leary, uh, who is making his first appearance in uh, 50 episodes. Today we are discussing No Time to Die, the latest film uh, from James Bond, as well as other news happening uh, with movies. Here on Red Spotlight number 351, bringing you all the destroyers coming out of the world of movies. Kyle, what brings you here?
1: (laughs) This is your first appearance in 50 episodes. I guess my appearance after 50 episodes is uh, quite shaken, not stirred. Yeah, and
2: I'm over it now. I will say, Kyle. In your absence, we have done nothing but speak highly of you and our sister podcast, uh, The Fantasy oh. Fair.
1: I'm sure of it, Mr. Martinez. I'm sure of it. Mm-hmm. You know, speaking
0: I'm, of I'm, the speaking of the Fantasy Fair podcast, it's a great time to plug our recent two part review of a, of the trip to the most uh, the, the happiest place on earth, Disneyland. Not really
1: a review. It's more of like a travelog episode but you don't get to see the pictures on screen.
2: See, you just sold it in the worst way possible. That sounded terrible. You're welcome.
0: So, yeah, I listen to the Fantasy Fair podcast. Uh, it's there as well as to the table. Peter and I have been doing reviews for horror-themed uh, movies, of course, to accompany the season that we're in. Uh, so stay tuned for those. And, you know, speaking of, Mr. Martinez just came back, uh, I believe from a week ago or so, from Halloween Horror Nights. The first time he's gone back in two years, if I'm not mistaken. How did it go, Peter? It was great. I
2: had uh, mucho fun. Uh, it was surprisingly packed, I will say. A, little, a lot of people, but no, it's, it's how I remembered. It was great. Oh, and for the first time, they had the Harry Potter land open and that was really oh, wow. cool because it's i always really like how that area looks at night mm-hmm. particularly the castle mm-hmm. and so it's really fun to walk around hogsmeade uh at night
1: what mazes were there
2: what mazes were fuck okay um <laughs> halloween 4 the return of michael myers the texas chainsaw massacre the bride of frankenstein lives mm-hmm. um uh, the Purge, that was the, the horror tram theme, it was The Purge, uh, what else, The Exorcist, and The Haunting of Blind Manor. Oh, and then also an original one called, like, Pandora's Box, which was pretty cool. Interesting. Yeah. What would be your favorite of all those? My favorite? Um, For me, well, there's two ways that I score... The mazes—it's how scary they are, and how much fun it is just living, and the fucking horror movies come to life. You know, like how Mm -hmm. just how fun they are, how cool they are to me. Um, So of course, I had a lot of fun looking at the the haunting of Hill House. Um, Like, just it's such a—it's one of those things where it's like only at. Horror Nights, could you see something like this? Like, this fucking show be given this theme park um, fanfare. So that was cool. The Exorcism one was genuinely pretty fucking scary. (laughs) That one was really cool. It's
1: amazing how, like, Universal Studios always gives, like, Netflix
2: this big old platform to play around with. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's because netflix doesn't have theme parks right like who who else do they have to work with they're not going to work with disney they they told disney to get fucked yeah (laughs) um so damn sure (laughs) so yeah no and also it's just disney told netflix get fucked i thought netflix told disney get fucked i don't whoever told who to get fucked it doesn't matter the point is they are not on speaking terms um Cause
1: the thing is, is that, uh, Disney was trying to once upon a time before, uh, when uh Disney plus was a, uh, a, a, a wet dream in a, in Bob, Bob Iger's, Igers mind, <laughs> <laughs> um, he basically said, Hey, why don't you and I collaborate with, uh, with Netflix, you know? And he's like, you know, Netflix, you know, I get what I want, you get what you want, and we could make this one big ol uh big ol streaming conglomerate. What do you say, buddy? And
2: then Netflix was like, "Fuck you." <laughs> well, <laughs> then what what really happens is Disney's just like, "Oh, is this is there a piece of the world we haven't conquered yet? Okay, we'll buy it." Um I mean, yeah, and, that too. And I guess it was a no-go at the end of the day. Um so, yeah, and also I think the reason why Netflix co- co- collaborates with uh, Universal Studios is it's also really good, um, what's the word? Uh, <sighs> marketing. It's good marketing for the shows and for Netflix. It's a win-win I as far as I'm mm-hmm. concerned. But one of the coolest things I saw there had nothing to do with Horror Nights. I saw the skeleton of what will be Nintendo Land. Um.
1: Oh, that's really cool.
2: Yeah, like they already have like... The, um, what imagery did you see from You just window? sort of see the the not the literal pipes like like from the game Mario. I mean like like regular like like the skeleton you see the skeleton of like this is going to be a hill this is going to be this mm-hmm. this is going to be that and then behind you they have like the background of like um you know the the green hills the green yeah. hills from the mushroom kingdom yeah yeah you see that and then like a big sign where it's the entrance is gonna be like blocked off like Nintendo World coming soon or whatever which is really Mario World it's not Nintendo it's Mario no. they should re- um they in Florida they're adding a um Donkey Kong Country oh okay right i guess now. that's okay maybe that's branching out a little bit but no they're going to do
1: that and there is rumors that they're developing like they cuz there's an adjacent land next to the Nintendo land mm-hmm. right there and that is heavily speculated um i mean nonchalantly it's called the hyrule
2: project <gasps> oh my god fucking florida i hate that play <laughs> god so, damn it so they're I'd gonna much have to get hyrule instead of mario land but you know that's a, but i mean mario land's fucking cool as well yeah so um yeah.
1: oh uh, this is a non sack order you know mm-hmm. but But here we are. Um, Did you hear what Chris Pratt had to say about um, his Italian phobia? Yeah. He basically (laughs) said, I'm not doing the Italian accent. Mario is normal. (laughs) In those
2: exact words. (laughs) (laughs) That is some straight A Italian phobia right there. That's fucking hilarious.
1: That's anti-Italian
2: discrimination. (laughs) I'm not doing the accent. I'm not some freak. <laughs> That's basically what he said. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> uh, well, you know, here we go. You know, okay, speaking of Mario, like, it's so bizarre. How can you cast Charlie Day as Luigi, but not cast Danny DeVito as Mario? <laughs>
2: I feel like they feel they already went that route with Bob Hoskins and it didn't go well. Uh. Plus, it's, it's elimination. They just get a list cast. They don't think about it. Um, But, but yeah, that was, that was was my time at Horror Nights. It was, it was awesome. I love it. Did you enjoy the butter beer uh, more this time? I did. You know what? I did. I did. I, um, I don't know Why? And I have an, a more aged tongue, I guess, but I I ended <laughs> up it... enjoying it. And I was really in the. It was I I I honestly think it's so cool just seeing it at night. I was really in the um. Plus the ride's really cool. The the uh the Harry Potter one. Uh, I was in the oh the Forbidden Journey. Yeah, yeah, it's cool.
1: You know um, what? Maybe. Right, maybe your evolution of your palette has a uh, let's call
2: it the pandemic palette.
0: Oh.
2: <laughs> no, well, maybe. But um I was like I like going through the stores I'm like mm, maybe I should get a wand. And I was looking cuz the wands they're cool, right? You know, it's just it's you know what you what you do when you go you and and I I like I'll get I usually the only souvenir I usually get is like the poster. Cause it's, it's a big thing and it's like, you, you can, you can put them on a wall and you can, you see all the years, right? From 2017 mm-hmm. to 2021
0: minus 2020. Um, <laughs> or <laughs> in that's your not case, put it in a box where it can't be seen. Yes. But I did see the the poster for the new Horror Nights and it was mm-hmm. pretty beautiful. Too it's bad cool. it'll never see the light of day. No,
2: but you know, it's about hope. Um, But I was like, you know what? Let me, let me get a wand. Those things are fucking sixty dollars,
0: yeah, like, hey, before that tax. That's that's, that's that a that's a steal
1: compared
2: to the lightsabers. The lightsabers, yeah, uh, galaxy's edge. Those what are they like two hundred dollars or some shit? Yeah, two hundred plus tax. Yeah, two ten
0: with tax or two fifteen.
2: The thing is, I couldn't in my head like convince myself to spend sixty plus dollars on a. A piece of s- plastic stick, I couldn't do. it <laughs> If it was like thirty, I can, I could, I could have done it. But sixty, I mm, so I didn't get it. But yeah, it was fun. I really liked it. But you're supporting that turf, remember? <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> I wait. Uh, what about Dave Chappelle? Oh, oh, oh ugh, ugh, yeah, yeah. collar. <laughs> Dave Chappelle became a J.K. Rowling's number one fan apparently over the weekend. That's that's that's, that's the discourse, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have no interest in going in there right now. Just wanted to yeah, put that out neither. there. It's yeah, no,
1: but it, but it's funny. It's funny to bring up sometimes. Sure, sometimes.
0: All right, let's go ahead and get into uh, what we saw this week, Peter. Since we were. I guess we could include in like what you did this week. So uh, what else have you been watching that's not, you know, already on the agenda Fuck. for tonight?
2: God damn it. I forgot that we were going to do this, even though you told me in person like five times. Um, Literally not last night. You know what? I've been watching. I will <laughs> say that because I have been watching it day to day. Mm-hmm. Not day to day. Week to week. Um, what We Do in the Shadows. The newest oh. season. Oh, wow. Okay. It's so good. It is so. It's a, what we do in the shadows is. I think it's already in one of my my favorite favorite shows of all time. It's which isn't surprising, I guess, okay. considering the film is one of my favorites as well. But mm-hmm. I I don't know. I just love the show, and it's consistently funny and. You the characters are just all time greats for me. I just love them.
0: Something real quick though, it's also on the same network FX, and I believe it's also you know attached to Taika Waititi. Yeah. I it was it wasn't just you, but I also uh, you know been getting uh, uh, you know Nettie and Eric told me in person, and even David here last week was raving about Reservation Dogs.
2: Oh yeah, I, did I tell you I watched that?
0: Yes, yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah, we yeah, discussed yeah. that. I think mm-hmm. last week or two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um.
2: So yeah, that was reservation dollars was, was cool um okay peter yeah um i'm almost done with season one do you want to review it uh well sure yeah let's get into it season one let me pull up the oh not right now later okay y- still yes <laughs> okay <laughs> um, all right but I, no wanted. i'm surprised you haven't flown through it I, it's because they're half hour it's like Ten episodes a season. You can fly through that shit. But I understand like... it's not Bond, I get it. Or Disney. Or Disney. Um what else? Uh you oh, I did see the first season due to peer pressure of Ted Lasso. I don't know if we discussed that. Did we discuss that? We did. We did already. Okay, fuck. Um what have I watched?
0: Damn. You want to talk about some comics you've read?
2: Um oh, does it matter if it's new? It doesn't matter no. if it's new, right? If I No, watched it never it? does. It never does. Oh, okay. Um, because uh, speaking of... I think I told you this. Uh, w- when we... Because I went with my girlfriend to go... We're the ones... That, me and her went to Horror Nights. Uh, they were selling Butterbeer, like bottled, right? You know, like a six-pack, whatever, of like, like the bottles. Um, we did get that. And we we're like, oh, like Harry Potter Marathon. So we watched... Oh, yeah. Uh, so far, we've only watched the first two, which is *Philosopher's Stone* and *Chamber of Secrets*. And you really
0: had to pull, drop that *Philosopher's Stone* on there. I I call it that as well. That's I call the it's, name of the book. It ain't the name of the movie, though. It's oh, it's not. Pretend-
1: no, no. Okay, here's the thing. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Not outside here. Outside of the United UA- Outside What's it of the it's called the Sorcerer's Stone here.
2: Oh, okay. That's I. Sorry, I read. I grew up reading the books first, um, so I don't. I forget sometimes. Okay, fine. The we're reason
1: on. why it's called the Sorcerer's Stone is because they were afraid that Americans, to their credit, won't understand what a
2: philosopher is. They should have called it the Kickass Mega Death Stone. <laughs> <laughs>
1: They'll be like this Harry Potter kid. He's onto something.
2: (laughs) Um, Maybe they would have gotten more of the Christians on board at the time. Uh, The Jesus Stone.
1: (laughs) So you did. So you -hmm. watched the first two Harry Potter movies. I mean, that's
2: pretty much an entire day because those are. Oh my God. I forgot how fucking long they were. Oh my God. Uh. But you know what? I, and I told Alexis this. I, like after I watched them, I was like, "Fuck! They just don't make them like that anymore." There's they were so good uh, <laughs> upon rewatching them. But like the from the costumes to the music to just the storytelling, it, it's just such wonderful, um, just escapism. It's mm-hmm. so good.
1: Chamber of Secrets, last time I watched, it, I was surprised at how funny it was,
2: yeah, a lot of they did they did lean more into the humor in the second one, and yeah. something I kept I didn't think about at the time, but looking back the, it's kind of a going off a little bit, but like the what was the new one uh the new play that j k Rowling put out, oh the cursed child, the cursed child okay uh, that's kind of contentious, I guess, with a lot of people, Cursed Child. I, I haven't read it, nor seen the play. Like, I, I kind of have bullet points of the story, but not completely. Um, but I read it. Okay. I read it, and um, it's everything that you'll hate. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. Um, But one of, I heard someone say once that the reason why it didn't work was because if you actually look at the heart of Harry Potter, Harry Potter is – a it's a mystery series and i and as is as a kid to an adult i never noticed that but it is Mm. like every story is a mystery like what who's the philosopher what is the philosopher's stone and who is trying to get it that's the whole first Mm. movie of, of the kids trying to uncover that mystery and that's the same thing for the second one what is the chamber of secrets and who has opened it and the whole story revolves around trying to reveal that mystery, and then the same with Prisoner of Azkaban, and and all the the whole films, right? Uh, even up right. until the last one, where you get the whole Horcrux and the, the fucking the the three, the I forgot what they were called. It's been so long. The story. Um. Oh, the three, uh, the three brothers. The th- yeah, yeah, that whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Um. But like, yeah, rewatching it though. I rewatching it. I had that in my head, and I'm like, oh my god, that's so true. These are mystery films, and that's what that's what makes them so fun. That's what makes them work. Um, this
1: conversation that we're having, like, it just reminds me of like this passion that I have for Harry
2: Potter and yeah.
1: and like the books and all that stuff. It just it just makes me feel bad <laughs> talking about it. I mean, it if of... we
2: can celebrate James Bond, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Come on, man. All right. (laughs) Okay. Oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, Oh, I can talk about some comics I read. Um, Right now, I'm reading Superior Spider Man, which is. It's actually a really fun idea. It's when Doc Ock was dying and he replaced his final trick was basically he he switched he swapped bodies with peter parker and peter parker ended up dying and he became the new spider-man calling himself the superior spider-man and his whole thing was i'm gonna prove that i am a better spider-man than peter parker ever was petty little bitch yeah (laughs) and 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 no one no one kind of no one knows it but it's interesting because in some ways he absolutely is a better spider-man like he's more efficient and he's more like dogmatic and and like by the numbers so like he'll pass petty thieves and be like the police can take care of that like that's none of my concern i have bigger fish to fry And, and and like it's it's cool it's fun like this sort of alternate sort of thing um what else? How many issues are there? I've heard of this
1: storyline, but I don't know how many issues there.
2: There's are. like 6 volumes, and each volume has about 5 issues. So like 30 okay. issues, I would say. All um, right. But it's really cool. Um but yeah, yeah, I don't want to take up too much time. That's that's basically what I've been reading. So yeah. Who's Anything next? else? No, no, I'm good. Who's next? Na- I I talked a lot. Who's next? Kyle, you want to go next?
1: Okay. So, um, I've been reading a story. Well, not reading because, like, because, like, my eyes need to be on, like, the computer grading and all this stuff when, you know, I'm doing things. Um, but while I'm doing... Did Jesus
2: die on the cross? Yes. Yes.
0: (laughs) No. Okay.
1: So, when I... uh, I've been listening to uh, Dave Grohl's new book called The Storyteller. Um, Oh, it's really really good it's giving like an insight of like early grunge is that like cuz he was like you know he, figuratively boots on the ground the grunge era you know he was there to like see it i mean he was in fucking nirvana for for god's sakes you know cuz you know and so like him discussing like all that stuff and he goes by like almost the almost the entire book without even once n- mentioning Foo Fighters you know which I find really fascinating like getting more into like because I know about him and Nirvana and all that stuff and I know about him being in Foo Fighters but like getting to know like his more earlier history like what it was like to be raised by a very conservative father and a very liberal mother like it's just like that weird dichotomy and just how that shaped how he dove into the grunge scene in the first place. So that was really interesting to watch. I mean, I listened to. Listen to. Um, and also, it's it's read by him. You know, it's oh, read by so Dave. He did,
2: he did the um the, the the reading. How how many hours is it?
1: Um, it's not that long. It's like eight hours. It's like not eight hours. It's like six, six, seven hours. Oh,
2: so it's kind of a small book then.
1: Yeah, it's like it's like that thick of a book, but. It's um it's really good, like getting into what he what he's known. I've see, uh two weeks ago I saw Barb and Star <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, you go did. to Vista del Mar. Yeah. Finally. Um,
2: I was expecting one movie and I got another. <laughs> it's I thought it right? Like on its surface, I it seems like kind of an annoying piece of shit. But yeah. it's not that. <laughs>
1: I thought it was going to be a complete, like, run-of-the-mill, like, buddy comedy, you know, yeah, that you see nowadays. Like, mm-hmm. like an SNL-rejected thing, you know? But, like, no, it's actually more than that. It's got, it, it Honestly, like, I've never dropped acid before, and nor do I need to anymore because of the fact that I watched that movie. I mean, it's just that fucking bonkers. Jamie Dornan has a fucking, uh, what's it, it called? A musical music number? Music number. Yeah, that actually, that blew my mind. <laughs> he <laughs> was I'm actually like, really good at this. Because I was like, what is he doing? <laughs> and then my mom turns to me and she says, I'm not seeing Christian Grey the same way anymore.
2: <laughs> I, I, you know what? I agree. He is sexier now. Okay.
0: <laughs>
2: much, much more so uh i mean speaking of uh a man named bond the, it the, it somewhat reminded me of the Austin powers films
1: it did somewhat. it did cuz mm-hmm. of like the the evil plot the evil hen you know the you <laughs> yeah, know yeah. and all that stuff i wasn't even expecting an evil plot you know i thought that this would probably be like a metaphor that would be playing into a star's mind you know, but you actually know. it was, you know, it was actually something, something more than that. And the chemistry between uh, Kristen Wiig and I forget the name of the, of who played Barb, but their chemistry is
2: absolutely fantastic.
0: Annette Mummolo, No, Momolo? Annie Mamolo.
2: Annie Mamolo. Annie okay. Annie he's staring at his signed <laughs> is... Blu-ray copy right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh
1: so many fun like little little bits in the whole movie and it was actually i really
0: loved it the lounge singer just like overtly sexual <laughs> yeah. there were so many things about that movie that just like randomly it's like that was funny the whole palm beach uh song that jamie dornan sang shouldn't it should win best original song at the Oscars should, if there's oh any my, justice yeah <laughs> the one and where he should getting- have to perform it live Right, he he better fucking perform it live. The Palm Hotel
1: number was oh, absolutely yeah. well choreographed, and I absolutely dug that. It was it was
0: the Morgan was, Freeman crab. Yeah,
1: because I'm Morgan Freeman.
0: <laughs> Just overtly
1: so saying it,
0: Tommy Bahama.
1: Um, Tommy Bahama played by and yeah. Um, my mom <laughs> swooned when. <laughs> it was like oh andy
0: (laughs) and i was like oh
1: god the culottes but it's it's, it was a fun time it was a really fun time i i I really enjoyed that movie um i saw another movie um leading up to the events of um of last week Mm -hmm. because last week for me was pretty much james bond week oh boy (laughs) To, to celebrate i went back and watched some uh, some Craig films, I watched um, a few, I saw a Roger Moore, and then I saw a Connery, and then I saw the documentary Being James Bond.
2: See, he says he doesn't have time to watch a lot of things, and then he watched like ten James Bond films.
1: Uh, like <laughs> four, four James Bond movies, uh, including a documentary. That,
2: okay, it's so five
1: okay but the documentary was really good it was um it was daniel craig's like perspective on the whole thing like he's actually narrating throughout uh, the whole entire thing is it just him bitching and moaning the whole time <laughs> um no no he was talking about like the struggles that he had um taking on the role it talked it talked about like how like in the quantum of solace they were in the middle of a writer's strike so they pretty much had to make it up as they went along um
2: oh that's right the writer's strike
1: yeah and so and also how he sustained multiple injuries you know just doing that um the fact that they went like you know his you know his name shouldn't be blonde james bond it should be you know bond james bond you know just the fact that he was blonde and And all that stuff, and then had Barbara and Michael chime in, like saying, "Like we knew that he was right for the role because of all that stuff." And then it led to um, a very emotional part where he filmed his last scene for No Time to Die, and like he's saying, "The best part about being James Bond was making this ginormous family that I didn't even know that I would have," you know. And he started crying, and Barb, Barbara, broccoli. You know, came up and gave him a you know a hug, and they embraced. And it's a nice, it's a nice little um, a companion piece to No Time to Die because of that. You know, so um, so yeah, it's on Apple TV if you want to watch it. I'm, I'm, I think it's gonna come to Prime pretty soon for those who don't have. Uh, you
0: have Apple TV.
1: Apple TV. Um, I have my sources.
0: You have Apple TV and yet you've not found time to watch The Father or... Okay, I'm not going to go there. You you already know um,
2: where it's going to end up.
0: It's a useless conversation to have. You mentioned the uh, Kyle was talking to me about Barb and Star the other day. And evidently, um, hell, uh, apparently, because Reba has a cameo at the end of the film, that's the only reason I... I that's why i love the movie
2: (laughs) which
1: it's it's a joke it's a joke because i know uh, you know watching it with my mom she turns to me and she says when reba shows up she's like ah so that's why he likes (laughs) the (laughs) movie.
2: so predictable
0: predictable right so i mean uh kyle your your mom is a big as a fan of reba and then also uh Peter's girlfriend Lexi is also a big fan of Reba, so
2: interesting connection
0: Oh yeah. Um, So what? I got a couple of different things Uh, on the topic of music. uh, Reba did a a compilation this week of uh, what is it called? Uh, Revived, remixed, revisited. I think it was what it's called. It's basically old songs re-recorded, different versions of it, and so that was fun to listen to. Also. Tony Bennett is back with his final album with Lady Gaga, um, Love for Sale. He recorded this, 95 years of age and with Alzheimer's, and he sounds spectacular. Uh, So I was talking to Julio about it yesterday. He was actually unaware that there was another record. And he's a big fan of the original Cheek to Cheek um, record that they did (laughs) back in 2014. I'm sure
2: you introduced it to him.
0: Um, yeah, of course I did. And he was like, oh, I, I got to get on this right now. <laughs> I was actually watching right now uh, a special concert that Gaga did a few weeks ago, actually. Uh, I think it was sponsored by Westfield Mall or something. And it was like broadcast worldwide. And she was doing a whole – it was a whole jazz concert. And so it was just her by herself. Tony can't perform anymore. Uh, so she was doing it. Uh, and she's fantastic. Um, I watched documentary. Um, it was okay it was funny at times but uh i mean it's not worthwhile but it was it, it kind of was recommended uh you know when you see on youtube and everything it's literally called a movie about movie posters so go figure uh, i think i i spoke to peter about this mm-hmm. uh, it's basically diving into the history of how you know posters were used for marketing old movies and then how that's kind of evolved uh to where we are right now and you know it's been a common uh it's been brought up on occasion throughout all these years of podcasting about the the frequent lackluster uh, theatrical posters for a lot of the big movies these days, um, you know, blockbusters and even smaller films alike. Um, remember a few years back, uh, Peter uh, and Kyle, uh, this was 2017, I think. And we we spent a good 10, 15 minutes debating the Last Jedi poster. Did we? Remember that? Yeah. Kyle didn't like it at first. Oh. And then you were like, you were going after him hard. It's like, well, Why? <laughs> well,
2: I, As Peter the would When people have wrong opinions Sometimes <laughs> I get a little A little testy
1: Overly passionate at Yeah that. yeah.
0: So like The thing about this uh, film that I found Most intriguing is how did we get in, Into that in this position Where you know a lot of the final theatrical One sheets as they're called the posters used in the theaters How do they end up being so Ugly Yeah you know, for lack of a better word. And, uh, there was this clip that I shared with you, Peter, uh, in that this particular artist, uh, was at a convention and he was, uh, recounting a story, uh, that he, uh, that he got from Drew Struzan. And that is Guillermo, uh, commissioned a poster for the original Hellboy by Drew Struzan. And, uh, you know, it was beautiful and everything. They even showed it, you know, uh, the the actual it's on google if you want to go look it up it's mm-hmm. a beautiful poster and guillermo was like convinced like this is the poster we're going to use for the movie and everything and uh drew told him you're about to find out how little power you actually have and of course they did not end up using that poster whatsoever and then ultimately what did it all where did all this go to is a couple years later when hellboy 2 the marketing was you know ramping up drew strews also had uh a commission uh piece for Hellboy 2, which looked so, so beautiful. And I think someone uh from the the movie Hellboy 2 was asked during a Comic-Con panel about, okay, so I just saw this Drew uh, Drew Struzan. Guillermo, yeah, sure. He was asked about um this beautiful Drew Struzan like poster. Are you gonna use that? Is that gonna be the official poster for the movie? And Guillermo uh, I believe responded to the effect of, uh, no, they said no because it looks too much like art. <laughs> and, and, and the, and what they found is, uh, it, it wasn't just that one little sentence because they actually dove a little deeper into it by bringing in actual focus groups. And what they actually found is that studios have found in their own focus groups is the, the more a poster resembles a piece of art, the more, uh focus groups and general audiences think that's an animated movie and it turns them off and that is the reason for why we are in the position that we're in right now and inconsistently also in those focus groups they liked or they found that the same people which is the most people who were like turning away from the artist uh posters that look like animated movies I guess I don't know they actually really like the whole floating heads or the whole the overtly photoshopped look of it
2: I hate people. Okay. Um, I, Jesus. I don't even know what to say. Is it like, it, um, it can't be though. Cause for sure they market it at all ages. At first I was going to say like, is it an age thing? And like, I, I don't know. I, fucking shit okay (laughs) whatever i don't see you always like to make me angry god damn it
1: but here's the thing that i don't make that doesn't make sense to me either is that you know there are some instances where the most robust photography is taken of uh and is used as like teaser material or as like other material you know sometimes the sometimes the main uh what's it called the main poster of the of the of the film like for example the gardens of the galaxy volume 2 poster um they took a picture you know at the back you know at the back of the Which, the which poster um the, the-, the teaser poster. Mm. I'm gonna i t- I'm gonna describe it to you. Okay. So they took at to the back of the of the stage that they were filming at. You know, they had the whole cast there, coincidentally, and they snapped the picture, and ironically enough, like it it gave off Ramon's vibes, you know, and so like music and Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, it goes hand in hand. And so you have that black and white image of Guardians of the Galaxy volume two of the entire cast, and yet that's the best poster that that movie had, you know, and it had all the cast and you could tell that it wasn't an animated picture, but yet, you know, it's not the main theatrical, you know, picture, you know, which, like which it's still, it's still, you know, boggles my mind why it's not, but, you know, just like those little details, the little candid photo of Daniel Craig at the, at the poker table for Casino Royale used as a teaser poster. I think that it was, I think that is what, one of the most gorgeous uh james Bond posters ever and they're until until Brosnan's era they really leaned into like using art and using drawings and using paintings as the um as a well thing. But, all movies did
0: at that time, and all, it was all awesome. movies did all the eighties and everything right yeah that's that was the height of uh, movie posters like i st- theatrical anyway
1: like i think like first thing that comes to mind is like american graffiti and that that nice little like sketchbook kind of look to the posters really nice i mean there i mean there's just there's, there's a there's rare instances where like that bleeds through like for example the moana poster of her going to the island with with um with maui and all that stuff but anyway
0: yeah it is frustrating so that's on youtube for those that want to see it um something else that i've also seen um uh at one point we were thinking of doing a review on this but i think i'll just save us the trouble of it and if you want to hear more about it uh you can always check out the fantasy fair podcast uh, which they'll be doing it imminently. And that is, uh, what is it called again? The Muppets Haunted Mansion? Muppets Haunted Mansion, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was uh, talking about this with Peter yesterday, not in any kind of depth, but he more or less got my reaction to it. And then I told him what you said, Kyle. Um, I believe that's what you were referencing. Oh, uh, and you said, that's an hour of my life, I'm not getting back. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty harsh, Um, all things considered. And I think pretty accurate. Um, This was the the initial disappointment was that this was not a movie. This was a TV special for you know for all intents and purposes. And mm-hmm. the first red flag you see when you're on the Disney Plus page is the runtime, like ninety four minutes. No, it's fifty four minutes. Oh yeah, fifty four minutes. It's not even an hour. Oh wow. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I so was expe- like, like I was expecting like it was movie be length, movie length, and all that stuff. And plus, like, it looked like a lot of things were like an afterthought as well, like, graphics-wise and all that stuff. And I was just like, if you're going to do Muppets Haunted Mansion, do it right. Why did you, you know, why are you, Disney, why are you once again fucking over the Muppets? I don't understand it.
0: I thought it was um, pretty weak. I think that's mm-hmm. generally speaking my impressions of it. It was weak. There were um, many moments where you you saw the the potential of what this could be, but it was just like um, squandered at every turn. Uh, the songs were pretty subpar for Muppets. Uh, the jokes in and of, them, of themselves were pretty much Muppet standard, although nothing really too uh, new here. Uh I think what really hurt this, it seemed rushed. It seemed like there was mm-hmm. like little thought put into it by two different things. I mean, look how how short it is. And then on top of the fact that there there really isn't a set here. It's all just a bunch of like blue screen ugliness yeah. going on here. Which just did it, it did it no favors. Um I didn't like this. Really? And I love the Muppets. I love the Muppets. I I love the, the Muppets 2011 film, and I was really pissed off to see a lot of people just, like, erase Muppets Most Wanted. I love that movie. Uh, it was a really great follow-up to the, to the uh, 2011 movie. I'm talking I mean, about to film be fair, Twitter. To be fair, I was one of those, but, like, I've grown to love it, you know? so I mean, this weekend, uh, while people were talking about Muppets Haunted Mansion, there were some people that were saying that it was the best, like, Muppets-related thing since... The Muppets 2011 film.
2: Yeah, I saw a lot of people really like it. I didn't Don't understand. So what? What made it so bad? Was it like unfunny? It was. It was just weak, man. It was. It's
0: like like it, it came together like nothing. Mm.
1: It was very stale. Un, like it was uninspired, you know, mm. and that's. That's usually quite the opposite in standards of Muppets.
0: Uninspired, cheap, lazy, um, the bare minimum. Those are just what cr- comes across my mind in terms of like every aspect of the movie. It looked it's like they had fine. a week to film it. Basically, oh, yeah. Wow. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, um, of all the Muppets related things I've seen, it is far and away the worst thing I've seen as far as Muppets are concerned. Mm-hmm. Like the direct to DVD. Muppets, Wizard of Oz, or The Shanti in the mid 2000s That was
1: inspiring.
0: That, that was, was inspiring. a masterpiece in
2: comparison to this. Mm. Okay, I'm probably just gonna ignore it then. I was kind of looking forward to it. I, don't I know. was really
0: excited about it, but it, uh, it just didn't come together. And they really, um, it it got a little on my nerves. Uh, how much um, they really? Half of the movie thought as if they were just like borrowing lines from the Haunted Mansion. Attraction. Really. Yeah. And and, and, and like it, it felt like it like they had to adhere to um the order of scenes that you see in the haunted mansion itself for the most part. Like they and it's like this feels a bit too IP for me. Like there, there really isn't a chance to really divorce from the original IP, like, it felt very much like it was mandated to, hey, you know, this is about the Haunted Mansion in Disneyland, right? And not- Let's remind you again.
1: Yeah, and, you know, the less the Muppet, you know, references, the better, you know. The only thing that I liked was, um, which it was was really off, you know, tone-wise, but the title card was the only thing I liked.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of throwaway. Well, you
2: get what you pay for.
0: It's not even a movie. It's just it's, just, it's a
2: TV special. It, and they did, it sounds, they sounds like a YouTube for. thing. Like, sure. That's what it comes off
0: of.
1: Yeah. I mean, it might as well be that, you know? Basically.
0: Yeah, and there's really nothing to say. So, that is a talk about a massive disappointment. Uh, that's where it is. Also, the last thing I'll say here as far as what I've been watching... um. To really um, get myself in the, you know, the Halloween season and everything, I have gone back for the first time. And I think this is the first time I've seen them all back to back. I've seen uh, I went back and rewatched in the last week, the first three seasons of Stranger Things on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I'm talking, I don't think I've. Uh, I know I rewatched the first season once and I'm sure I rewatched the second season at some point, but I'm not sure I ever rewatched season three. And I know I never rewatched them all back to back from one to three. Um, And my takeaway from this is this is a really good show guys. (laughs) I'm not sure if anyone's told you, but stranger things is pretty fucking great. Um, And I, I feel like, you know, uh, I may have a rather contra not contradictory controversial opinion, but I really feel like season three was kind of the best I know Really? yeah, no yeah I mean yeah
2: wrong opinion from a character
0: from a character' standpoint, I really did uh and even just from a story element, I don't know I, I I love all three seasons I love them all. It's horror-ish, you know. It's horror. It's horror-esque, where it's like it's not completely like overpowering and depressing, you know. It's also fun and exciting, and it kind of helps get in the in the Halloween season. Whoa! Just because it's horror doesn't mean it's depressing. Like that wasn't what I was saying. I'm talking about this particular uh, property. Is more than just like constant sadness happening. You know, there's actual you know moments of joy that really do Mm. sprinkle out here. Okay. That's kind of what I was getting at. Uh, in short, I really do uh, f- uh, feel like I fell in love with the show all over again, and I really can't wait for season four.
1: Um, I don't know if you know. guys know about this. Um, the actor who's playing Freddy Krueger is coming into the fold with Stranger Things season four that I'm really looking forward to. I think Robert England is
2: amazing. Oh, they got Robert England. <laughs> Yeah, they got him. Oh, they're wow. Do, they're doing a murder mystery with the Upside Down. This, this is the thing. They should have done that since season two. I feel like they should have went harder into different genres after the first season. but Because like the second and third season, they're good, but they're kind of doing the same thing and then with the fourth season they're like we got to do something different so yeah I think they're going to do something different um but yeah I don't know I I like the show every time I watch it I really like it I to me the first season is the favorite but every every season I've wa- watched I walk away going like I really enjoyed that that's great mm-hmm so,
0: yeah. I think for me, like what really won me over with three, I think it was the most emotional. There were a lot of great, like emotional moments of the characters, um, in particular that last episode, is a complete like sob fest, you know, with the big goodbyes and everything. Yeah. Um, but I, I do appreciate though uh, that there is going to be an, uh, a concentrated effort to make season four feel completely new, which is exciting. Whenever that happens okay let's go ahead and move on to the news before we get to the review uh so marvel 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 um as they say this week i guess the biggest news um because of course something else would have been ignored completely uh variety wandavision spinoff starring katherine Hahn in the works at disney plus Hahn would reprise the role of agatha harkness in the series which is described by sources as a dark comedy though exact plot details remain under wraps, WandaVision head writer Jack Schaefer would serve as the writer and executive producer on the project. Should the spinoff go forward, and it will, it would be the first project Schaefer has set up with Marvel since she signed an overall deal with them and 20th uh, television in May. All right, so we're getting an Agatha Harkness Disney Plus series.
1: Honestly, to me... The more Catherine Hahn, the better. You know, that's what I'm doing. That's what that's where my mind is at right now. <laughs> I'm I'm on the couch sipping my uh uh cosmopolitan uh like Lucille Bluth saying good for her. <laughs> because honestly like yeah yeah go ahead I mean she pretty much stole the show in uh in WandaVision so I mean obviously like it was like a no-brainer that this was gonna happen um but yeah like for example like Katherine Hahn is playing Joan Rivers and I, I'm actually like 100% on board with that um scenario as well so I you know honestly good for her good for her she's getting her own Marvel show good
0: good Catherine Hahn. Catherine Hahn. let's do it. I don't think anybody here disagrees that Catherine Hahn is sensational as Agatha Harkness and that she was a highlight of WandaVision and that personally for Catherine Hahn, we're all very happy to see her finally getting her moment in this industry. Getting that out of the way with for Peter to come in here. Yeah, I don't care. Sorry.
2: F- fuck everything about this. Um... <laughs> I like I can't even give a cheapish good for her on this one. I just don't care. Like, yes, the character was good and fun. Every time a character slightly hits with an audience, they don't need a spin-off. Um Yeah. I they just don't. Like just cause a character worked for ten minutes doesn't mean they will work in a seven hour TV series. And and, and and this is the way I, I don't know. I just, I hate this mentality. I'm tired of this. Uh, there's already 50 Disney Plus series. A- anyone that is slightly entertaining as a side character is going to be handed a Disney Plus show. And because it's going to directly connect into other shit, people are going to eat it up. And I, I don't care. I don't know. I don't care.
1: The thing that I'm not looking forward to, though, with this is the, um, once the ball is rolling, all the Mephisto
2: fan <laughs> theories once again. <laughs> Knowing Kevin Feige, he'll make sure Mephisto's in the show.
0: Because then that begs the question: What are you going to do with that Agatha show? What story is there? She's to a witch.
2: I don't know. They'll, <laughs> they'll come up with something. There's always something you can do.
0: Yeah, to me, I, I I feel completely with Peter on this. I don't see a story here. And what I do see is Bob Chapek cashing in even more on this and like, hey, this character is popular. This character is also really popular in the parks. Let's get more of her and let's get more of her now. And they're fast tracking this show because, because it is a corporate mandated show. That's the only reason why this is happening, Uh which to be fair, is the only reason the Disney Plus show isn't like WandaVision or Falcon happened in the first place. Uh, but in this as in this particular instance, there is – it d- doesn't appear to be any kind of organic story on the surface anyway that warrants all of a Disney Plus show, quite frankly. I'd love to see more of the character in other projects be interwoven in and out because she's that great. Um, but like are they going to do this thing again where – oh, and this is another aspect where you have to think it's going to only – it's gonna go there, like of course it does. Like let's say for Loki, for instance. We have a villain, unless we're gonna we're gonna make him more sympathetic where he's not really a villain anymore, but now Agatha's an anti-hero.
1: That I'm li- I'm a little concerned with. That's the only aspect I would be concerned with. Uh, uh But I'm going in into this expecting uh Miss Han to completely chew the scenery. Like I expect there to be no show at the end of the at the end of the run because of how much scenery she chewed.
0: On this note, it has not gone unnoticed, uh, at least for me, that I've been, you know, always looking out for these rumors and everything. But I think it also kind of speaks to Peter's concern. And that would be uh, that there, you know, while around the same time that that this uh, Harkness News was confirmed, there were these other rumors of uh, the Ten Rings getting a Disney Plus show. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Well, shang
1: she has the ten rings spoilers,
2: but I don't think it's shang- about the literal ten rings. I
1: think no, it's, it's about not that. about
0: the ten I Rings. I know it's but about-
1: well, that's the only time that ten rings should be brought up from here on out because we've beat that dead horse so many times in the m c u already that it's it, it's kind of it ran its course when it came to. Iron Man 3 you know <laughs> so this late in the game I don't think that it should be any I mean it was you well utilized in uh Shang-Chi but it, I don't think that it needs to be further delved into
0: but you see that Peter is completely right here right because it, it just it's it sells the point even further that what, what what's really going on here just today I was just glancing through film twitter and saw a rumor that Sharon Carter is getting her own show why these, these characters don't warrant a show. Uh, there's nothing interesting to them to be, have to idea. carry their own show. Here's
1: an idea. Maybe extend your series episodes instead of just six and mandated six. Maybe expand that to maybe ten. So that way maybe you could have time with these characters, you know, instead of rushing to the end
2: you know that's just an idea i don't th- my thing is though from the beginning you don't even need shows you should be able to be able to expand your characters well enough within film there are plenty of films that have amazing character uh development you, you don't need to show like i really hate this mentality that i see growing where it's like well if you want to develop a character give them a show like I'm starting to see that now and it's like what the fuck like you know films are storytelling devices like like you can tell amazing character stories within one film some of the greatest character stories ever told were within films like there is so much you can storytelling you can do within the length of a film if you're not worried about all the other crap that seems mandatory within a marvel film um yeah i it just doesn't nothing about this excites me it just makes me roll my eyes and go okay
0: yeah um i i would say in general like uh, television's a lot easier to craft um development with characters because of the runtime that you have and the length of the medium Whereas with films, you've got like a two-hour, what, hour and a half even sometimes run time to flesh out characters. But Peter is right. It can be done. Marvel doesn't do that, though. And this mentality that I guess like because, you know, with, with the shows that and, – and you've seen how Loki and Wanda and Sam have gotten actual characters. Some particular uh, Marvel stands, shall we call them, have gotten the idea, well, this can only really be done with them – in the shows, because they really weren't important to the storage of the movies. And I feel that's, that really, again, lets Kevin Feige and all the Marvel people off the hook for not, you know, cause it absolutely could have been done. And even in the case with uh, Agatha Harkness with like, you know, delving more into her, or I guess giving her more, maybe because this mentality that, Oh, now that she'll be the center of attention, she'll be better even this time. And I would say to that, well, she could have been far better handled thematically speaking in WandaVision. We went over this again and again. There was still more you could do with her. They just chose not to. They just chose to make her the bad guy and the bad guy only in the end. Mm-hmm. Or very clearly could have been like easily interwoven to where you know she had a far more com- like a complex approach to it, and it could have delved into Wanda's internal struggle of like which way is she going to turn, good or bad? It very well could have been that way and could have made her you know more memorable in that regard but you didn't we had to and cut so, to like, sword Mm-hmm.
2: doing yes. god knows what mm-hmm. as if they fucking mattered
0: so like when you when you when you look at all this taking a step back with with agatha and maybe the possibility of a 10 rings show it's like it kind of begins to feel like the situation happening with Star Wars and Disney Plus shows where they're all just the same and every character gets their own show, but they're doing the same things. And the whole point of it is to just expand the universe and connect to this and and that. I agree. Um, Something else Marvel related, uh, Daredevil's coming back, uh, not just in Spider-Man No Way Home, but uh, evidently the spinoff series. So Hawkeye is getting a spinoff series. I didn't know this, but apparently it's called Echo. I don't know what that means or what that is. It's like a character. An They're sure. deaf. Right. It's like the opposite Echo. of Daredevil. <laughs> right. So Echo is going to have a series and uh, the and these particular uh, rumors come from more reputable sources are saying that some of the Daredevil cast will have uh, supporting roles in Echo. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio as Wilson Fisk and uh, Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock, and it even further spiraled into. At some point in 2024, I want to say, or 2025, whenever they get, you know, in the channel of production, uh, they're going to resume. I believe the Daredevil series on Disney Plus. How do we feel about that? Now
2: that is a character with stories to tell. Proven by the fantastic three seasons of which I have only seen two. Um, (laughs) uh, I think that's great because this is the thing. You knew that they were going to pull these characters in no matter what. They were going to include these characters in in the MCU when they got them back. I think the actors they got to portray those characters are pretty darn pitch perfect. Um, for uh, every one of them involved. So, why throw out the baby with the bathwater, right? If it works, it works. So, yeah, I think that's, I think that's a good move on their part.
1: Kyle? As somebody who has watched the third
2: season. <laughs> oh, wow. This is, a, this is the first thing. They, oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> how the turntables yes how the turntables
1: <laughs> um but Fuck. as somebody who has seen it like we need a fourth season we need a fourth season because like things weren't wrapped at all <laughs> at the end of the third season so the fact that they get a content like, they have the chance to finish off this story i you know Maybe finishing off, I don't know, knowing Bob Chapek, it's probably going to be like a seven season order, you know, but, you know, um, but the fact that they do get to continue on this story, I think is really good. And just, and, you know, including the, the sheer just knowledge that they just barely introduced Bullseye as Bullseye at the very end of season three, I think is just one of those things that I think is like the icing of the cake kind of thing um so the fact that they continued on with that i think just really adds to the whole like thing of why they need to do these things you know in the beginning Mm -hmm. you know in the first place so i don't know um yeah yeah um and also like you said peter the cast is you know deborah and wall you know and charlie cox and you know, Vincent D'Onofrio. I mean, the whole cast is freaking amazing in in Daredevil. That it was. It's such a shame to like end that magic that was, you know, going on in you know the three seasons. So I I'm absolutely floored with the idea of them uh, continuing on the story in a in a new capacity.
0: As for me, I feel I've made my feelings on this abundantly clear and I won't waste time with that. Next thing with Daredevil. (laughs) um, (laughs) Peter, do you still have any kind of concern when it comes to the R rating um, aspect Uh, uh, or the the lack of an R ratedness uh, when it comes to upcoming shows like Moon Knight and... Other stuff coming up with Blade. Yes. I know. I'm not sure. At some point, we did an, uh, not announce, but we talked about how you know they are planning a whole horror section
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, for uh, of uh, Marvel Disney Plus shows, which you seem to be the most excited about. At least anything you know coming out of Marvel in the next few years. Uh, where are you with that concern? Well, and do you think? Do you think uh, whatever they'll do on Disney Plus? will feel like it did on Netflix?
2: Uh I hope so. I feel like it won't just because Disney is so set on doing their Disney thing. Um I mean, well for me Daredevil doesn't need to be rated R. I D- Daredevil is dark, but it's not it doesn't have to Deadpool. be rated R. Dark. Yeah, it does th- th- there's nothing necessary about that. Now if you're talking like The Punisher, yeah. For sure. If they're doing a series. If he just pops up in other people's movies, I don't think it has to be rated R. But if you try to give him his own series, yeah, I would it would I think so. Um does it worry me that it might not be re ra- Yeah, it does. Um well it's like the Deadpool thing, right? Like, can you make a really good PG thirteen Deadpool? For sure. No. no, you can. I just don't care. I want to read it (laughs) r You see, but here's the thing.
1: Here's the thing. When you... Okay, because I... You know, just for shits and giggles, I saw Once Upon a Deadpool.
2: (laughs) Oh, oh, the... Yeah. Uh
1: Yeah, for shits and giggles, just to feel the vibe of what that scenario would be
2: like in the future, and it does not gel well. To be fair, that was made as a rated R film that was then edited down to be PG-13. Maybe I, I'm I, I'm thinking more of like you start off in mind going like this is going to be PG-13. Because I mean, again, the Deadpool character does appear in the comics where the comics aren't like R rated and a lot of their material. I mean, he's even appeared in like the cartoons, right? And he's worked. Spectacular Spider-Man, right? Yeah, yeah, it- I, in Ultimate Spider Man too. Um, so like, a does it have to be P? No, I mean, well, does it have to be R? No, but the best version of Deadpool would be R, and I want the best version, right? Yeah, it's like if you're making a Wolverine movie, you can make a good Wolverine that isn't R, but the best Wolverine movie would be R. And I want the best, so it's it's the same with these other properties.
0: So it seems that you seem to be a lot more open to them now, whereas when you know, I don't know about a stuff lot, like-
2: but I mean, I know, I just I know it's not gonna be. I'll put it that way, and I'm gonna watch it anyway. So. <laughs> yeah. You want the best, but you also got to live in reality. I don't live in that alternate universe where Everything Marvel... Peter Martinez wants. Yeah, every every perfect amazing. version of the film and TV show I want exists. <laughs> um, I tell you, if I had control of the multiverse, that's all I'd be doing. It's like, oh shit, this perfect version of this movie exists on Earth 13365. All right, let's go check it out. So, yeah.
0: Also something else uh, related to this, uh evidently uh we're not going to get season 2 of Loki until 2023 2024 no no I'm sorry 2024.
2: That's a pretty big wait. Yeah. I assume cuz they're going to try and tie it into certain films, I don't know. And the pandemic, there's probably a few reasons. It's
1: kind of, and also right now, like Hollywood is on strike right
2: now. <laughs> well, no, not yet. They might, dude. They're they're on the verge. They're very close.
1: It's gonna happen. It's gonna I happen. think it'll
2: probably happen.
0: <clears throat> anyway, um, that's the Marvel stuff there. Let's go ahead and uh, talk about... No time. Let's go ahead and talk about... The show. Yeah, that was the show. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in.
2: Uh,
1: <laughs> so, no time
2: to die. I don't know. I
0: don't really care about any of this, uh, generally speaking. I, I mean, the Daredevil stuff, I'm sure, is cool, but, you know... Depending on what happens, I may or may not watch it. Now, back onto the box office for No Time to Die, which is the film we'll be discussing this week in more in-depth. I don't know if... (sighs) Some people may be looking at these numbers uh, for the film in a negative light. I don't know. Uh, But... (sighs) There were, you know, some expectations... In the week leading up to it, that it could, you know, cross be the first movie to cross hundred million dollars opening weekend, you know, at the, at the at the domestic box office in the pandemic era, uh, it didn't come anywhere close uh, to that. Uh, but it's kind of a tale of two cities. The thing people have to understand about James Bond, uh, the franchise, is you know it makes its money, and most of the people that go watch it are, you know, around the world, and so. There is that one aspect, and in that regard, it has already made over $300 million worldwide. Uh, And then, with here, and this has been an ongoing thing that Peter and I have been talking about in the last couple of weeks, is, um, and I feel this will be the first time, Peter, that we'll also be mentioning, you know, the situation with Venom uh, the week prior uh, and what it did. Uh, So it came in, no time to die, with $56 million, which, you know, is a lot better than a lot of non comic book non marvel related uh films had been opening up, you know, as of late. So in that regard, um that is somewhat of a of an improvement. It was down slightly from, you know, other openings uh like Skyfall Inspector uh as I'm looking at right here. Um I I don't <sighs> I want to be hopeful in terms of what this means most for, you know, the movies that are coming up. But we we talked about how October was going to be a really fascinating month to see how all the non-Marvel stuff, because most of the stuff is non-Marvel, non-comic book, how that was going to perform to see how, you know, movies in general perform. Uh, and I'm I'm not sure. I know I'm not getting the result I want off the bat. And it's really kind of bothering me with it really kind of bothers me with how, you know, I I, I granted the James Bond film performed better than other movies had been as of late for it being a non comic book, non Marvel movie. But the week prior, Venom like blew the records off everybody else and, you know, opened with over ninety million dollars, which continues to baffle me. Um, I wanna to go to Peter first. What do you what do you make of all this?
2: Uh I think the reasons why it performed where it does kind of makes sense, right? Uh I, pff, the fan base is dying. Like let's be let's be real. Like it, well, at least mm-hmm. in America, I guess reportedly it, it does pretty huge overseas. Um but uh, I I assume that means the Bond, fan base right? is, is is younger overseas in comparison to in the the colonies. Um, well, here's,
0: an, here's an example, uh, Peter. With Spectre, um, Spectre only made 23% of its box office in America.
2: Yeah. And I mean, America is usually where movies go to make most of their money, at least those kinds of films. So, mm, but
1: here's the thing as mm-hmm. well, is that here in America, there's a tumultuous, um, anti-woke movement going on right now that's also um hindering that
0: has nothing to do with this that what has the, nothing are, you to sure are you
2: talking about hell no no
0: well, well 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 no it has nothing to do with this it, that's not the reason for why these numbers are the way they are if anything the, the reason for why <laughs> these numbers are lower than skyfall or specter is because i'm sure a significant chunk of the older uh demographic which is the base of the bond franchise didn't want to go risk their lives mm-hmm I assume, because of Delta variant and COVID. That's basically why it came in a little bit under. And just for reference sake, uh, Spectre opened with $70 million. So it's not that far off. And I believe that's really what we're missing here is that a large number of the base of the Bond franchise, the older people, didn't go to theaters because global pandemic, which is all but expected. So I I feel if anything, that's the culprit for why it opened a little bit lower, at least here. But as far as the whole woke thing, um, that has no that I have never seen that have any impact on box office. Yeah, it's just an internet thing on Twitter.
2: It's it's internet bullshit. Like it it has no real effect on real life. It's just all it does is uh, radicalize uh, sixteen year old kids to join Nazi clubs. I don't know. Um, Yeah, but so I would say like. Again, what is interesting is that most of it is not doesn't happen here. Older fan base. Not only are they staying home because of COVID, but you know maybe some of them are also dying off. Like it's been five years since the last one. This is a very old series. I think I don't know. Like it's it does again. Most of fan base is older, Uh, and also. Yeah, historically, it just doesn't make that much money here in the States as comparatively to like Marvel or any of these other big budgeted. It makes around 60 million seems to be its sweet spot. So I actually don't think this is that big a deal. No, the open, I agree
0: with you. The opening mm-hmm. weekends, I have them here by comparison. The first one for Casino Royale, because you know, Craig was new, was 40 million. Uh, quantum of solace was 67 million skyfall was 88 million and specter was 70 million so it's not that far off i feel it's not a devastating number by any means no it's not
2: when you factor in the pandemic and all that stuff i slightly disappointing but not it's not terror it's not a like like bomb people people want that either the narrative that a film bombed or that it, it was a huge success. It, this just seems like, you know, it's doing good, moderately okay, I think, box office-wise. At least that's the way it seems to me.
0: Yeah, um, and just for record here, for pandemic openings in the U.S., uh, F9, 70 million, Shang-Chi, 75.3, the three-day, Black Widow, 80.3, uh, and Venom 2, 90.1. Peter, where, where, where do you, where, how do you explain that Venom number? I can't Uh,
2: (laughs) uh, Venom baffles the mind to me For whatever reason It just fucking hits a chord with people Kyle have you seen Venom? Venom 2? Yeah Into the Carnage No But I know what happens Venom fights Carnage Yeah Oh god Thank god Um, I, no, I can't explain it. It's, it's a hit and it it is what it is. I, we're going to get sequels of these till we die. It seems.
0: Kyle, your thoughts on so far how, uh, no time to die is doing. Well, it's
1: made half its budget (laughs) overseas. (laughs) I'm not sure how it's going to be, um, come tomorrow, Um, because, you know me, I don't like to follow projections, because projections can be wrong, um, but, like, yeah, it sucks, it sucks that it's making that much, uh, that much money, especially because, like, this is the last goodbye of, um, of Daniel Craig, but the thing that makes me, um, more... Frightened is the risks that the broccolis will be willing to take come next round when it comes to Bond 26. So um that's the only thing that scares me a little bit. But other than that, I'm just like, uh, you know, I mean, it's a British property. You know, Americans never grasp European properties um well here in the state. So I I kind of expected it. Um but as far as, like, how little it's getting here in the States, like, I thought, like, oh, you know, like, another movie, let's go, you know, let's get, you know, get in action, because a lot of people are craving that. A lot of people are craving, the, you know, the cinematic experience, you know, and what better to have, like, you know, one of the oldest cinematic experiences, James Bond, come in into the, into the fray, but, yeah, I mean... It's it's whatever to borderline frightening, if that makes sense. Because of the numbers.
0: I, I feel like the Broccoli shouldn't be too concerned with the um, mo like the overall stuff. I think I if the film ends up being um making less than, you know, its predecessors like Spectre, it's because we're in a global fucking pandemic. More than anything else, really. Um, which has also led to a key part of its constituency from going and venturing out to see this in the theater. I think really that's what it comes down to it. The other problem would be it is, of course, as we mentioned, the fact that the core base of this franchise is late 60s, early 70s, maybe even getting into the 80s now. Um, It's an aging franchise. And um I don't know. Peter, what do you think uh, – they should do, now that, you know, the the Craig era is gone, mm-hmm. for the film to have a broader appeal than just old people, I guess, what should they do? They need to
2: finally get back to making fun films. Forget the gritty realism and and just one spy shit like like maybe just a lot a, a couple notches below um fucking kingsman like if i'm going to be real they need to become similar to fast and furious and i know that might sound sacrilegious to a lot of bond fans but it's not it's it's just kind of going back just go, just go goofy with it right back I think to formula back to formula I think you get a young bond go young this time because don't don't get them when they're like 45 um, get them a little younger and yeah, just bright colorful go fun with the gadgets fun with with all of it right and, and, and just have it be a little bit lighter fair a little bit more humor. Like back to um, the Roger Moore era. Yeah, yeah, I would say.
0: Could it not be argued that Spectre gave a little bit of that flavor back, and it was panned and trashed because of it? I exactly. mean, we haven't discussed this yet, but I think we we will, we will. But with Spectre, the film I mean that we
2: I... are going to is even more so. <laughs> um, so it's, uh, I don't know but i mean i because but i guess when you the fir- when you you start this film series with casino royale and it very much set a very particular tone right um mm-hmm. james bond is this dark damaged character like even look at all the bond songs like every song is like <laughs> like, like every song is like they're on the verge of fucking tears um <laughs> two out of 5 two out of 5 are like that Oh, three? I mean, no, no, three out of five. Three Sorry. out of five. Come on now. Um, the first two were like rock 'em sock 'em. Yeah, bur- bur- you know? yeah a little bit like that. I will admit. And the last three were power ballads. Yes, uh, they're they're very much setting a very serious... It's not that these films, the Craig era films, weren't fun and had gadget, cool gadgets and stuff like that, but it, they. They took a um, definitely more serious, somber tone. They
1: looked at what Jason Bourne was doing. They looked at yeah. what Nolan was doing with his Batman series, and they combined those two and threw it at the wall. And that's
2: what and you got with. They admit after um, Austin Powers, they're like, we we can't do that. <laughs> yeah, they like we've been we've been satirized too hard. In the public eye, like we gotta we gotta reinvent Bond, and they did with the Krieger. I think it's finally time, and I think the audience is ready for it to go back and hit hit the fun button a little bit i don't know but there there is such thing as
1: doing too fun, like die another day and and all that stuff,
2: as long as it's not a shit film, I think you you can do it. I don't know
0: two things that have already been confirmed um Uh, again as far as how much stock you put into what an actor says um but that would be with idris elba saying he's not gonna do it don't even ask me uh and then also the broccolis have said uh that they're not gonna go for a woman so that's two things that people were like i guess fan casting like that have been like completely shut down at this point i
2: can tell you this he's gonna be black I think they're or just I think they're they're that's the big thing. They're he's not going to be white. I don't think they're doing that. I think they're going to do, You don't think so? I think they're going to go young. But I, I think they're going to go young. I don't think they're ready I to go there, there yet.
0: You really don't?
2: Oh my god. No, I don't think, I think they're, they're, they're going are. to do
0: that. Okay. For sure, I think From they're everything, everything young. I know everything I know is they're very mm-hmm. traditionalist people.
2: Oof. Just call them racist, why don't you? Uh, I'm not saying that. <laughs> oh, maybe I will. Um, I uh, Okay, I can see them going young. I think they're going to go young. And yeah, I think they should go
0: more fun. Have more fun with it. Two people's names that have been brought up that fit that description would be early, early in the mid-30s. Um, Richard Madden or Josh O'Connor were two names that I've heard being thrown out there. Hmm. I think they need some color.
1: I agree. I'm throwing <laughs> I'm throwing John Boyega's name out in the mix. He'd be cool. Cuz not just like he knows how to do action, he is he is charismatic. Like he does have charisma. Mm-hmm. So I think he he could pull off a uh, good James Bond. Plus his fucking initials are JB like James Bond himself. <laughs> so, I mean, what more can you ask for? You know, Um, but yeah, are you guys ready to talk about bond?
0: So, uh, uh, Peter, do you have letterboxd open? Uh, I am about to go ahead and get that open. Um, all right. It's open. So that's we, that's, uh, we'll see how the film does ultimately, but I'm really curious to see what the final uh, number is, uh, for no time to die. It's double. all
2: right. No time to die. Directed by Kerry Joji Fukunaga.
0: Fukunaga, I think, because there's a Kerry Fukunaga, and then also a Kerry Fukunaga.
2: Thanks for making fun of my accent, you racist bigot. Okay, the mission that changes everything begins. Bond has left active service, as enjoying a tranquil life in Jamaica. His peace is short-lived when his old friend Felix Slider from the CIA turns up asking for help. The mission to rescue a kidnapped scientist turns out to be far more treacherous than expected, leading Bond onto the trail of a mysterious villain, armed with dangerous new technology. Cast. Daniel Craig. Rami Malek. Le Sedu, Lashana Lynch. Ralph Fiennes. Rafay. Rafay uh, Fiennes. <laughs> Jeffrey, <laughs> right? Wait, wait. What, what was that?
0: What was that even a, a word? What was that? It was, was just like, a slip. Hey, 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 hey.
2: hey. hey. You know what? I'm tired of listening to you,
0: bigots. So I'm tossing it back to you. Leah Saidu, and uh, that that was. The, and there's also e- either Rafe finds or Ray finds. He he goes by either or. So. Uh the, I think the best way to go about this uh and kind of how we approached it with Midnight Mass is to kind of, you know, establish our history uh with this franchise. Who wants to go first? And what they've thought uh of, you know, James Bond as a series and then also the, the Daniel Craig movies. For avid listeners of
1: this lovely lovely series called Red Spoilay Entertainment. I need not tell you the whole story, basically, I saw a casino royale two thousand six, and my life was changed forever um yeah, that's pretty much it i've been I've been a bond fan since for fifteen years now for fifteen years, and i it's still growing and I uh, honestly like yeah, one of my favorite franchises in fact, probably my favorite film franchise after
0: Star Wars for me, I get the completely opposite approach. I have no love for the franchise whatsoever. There's no connection to any of the characters or the actors um there's nothing about it that gets me any kind of you know passionate and after our, the movies end, I forget they even they even happen in the first place. but when I'm watching them, they're very good films, and the ones that I've seen i believe i I believe I've seen uh Goldfinger what that was the only old one that I have seen. And then I saw Casino Royale, Skyfall, and Spectre. And generally speaking, when it comes to the Craig era films, I've enjoyed them quite a bit. I really like Skyfall. Um, I really like uh, S- uh, Skyfall? Uh, Casino Royale. Casino Royale, Skyfall. But uh, I really, the one that I enjoyed the most, and you know, I guess this will get me crucified, would be Spectre. Uh, up until, before we get to this movie and everything, so... That's kind of where I am with them.
2: Um my unique history with Bond is I think the first one I saw was Casino Royale. As a kid, um it had been rented in my house. I woke up early one Saturday morning, saw that it was there. I was like, "Oh, I've <laughs> heard of James Bond." Like, I it's I I've, I've heard of him like as a as a character." And I was like, is a spy? That's fun. I put it in, got about an hour. It was fucking boring, so I took it out, and <laughs> I didn't watch it much. And I never, well, never really watched any of the James Bond films. I, I never. I, I didn't hate them. I just never cared. I understood the oh Bond, James Bond. Like I, I got it. I get it. Okay. Um, never the biggest fan, but never a hater either, necessarily.
1: Never say never again.
2: Peter. Okay. And, yeah, and this is where I get to my nightmare. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd s- seen a couple by adulthood, but then I had the unfortunate reality of meeting Mr. Lira here, and he loved the film so much that uh, he wanted to do a podcast with me, and and so uh I was like, okay, well, we can talk about them. That's cool. I like watching movies. All right. That's, that's, all right. And I've seen every single fucking Bond film in existence. And then he just dipped out on, on the fucking podcast. And now I have, uh, decades of trivia in my head of Bond (laughs) and no, and nowhere to put it. It just exists (laughs) in my head now. Um, yeah. So, (laughs) but, i have there are a few that i do genuinely enjoy mostly from the craig era and like mr alexis i don't understand the hate for specter <laughs> like people fucking hate that film like hate it and I don't... they hate
0: it with a fucking passion for, yeah. for a bit of a context here i think that was the 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 first uh bond movie you and i saw together as friends and it, we expect Experience it together mm-hmm. in the theater. Um, and I had a really good time with the movie. I had so much fun, and, yeah. And there were so many great elements to it. And then immediately after walking out, people were like hating it. And I feel like that hate has grown as the mm-hmm. years have gone by where people just like despise that film. And I think the reasons for why uh, – all the different reasons you hear – Make me so confused. Not just about what they think that movie was going for, but I, it just makes me so confused about what people think James Bond even is. Because to me, James Bond is just a, a spy, and he saves the world, and there are cartoonish villains and that kind of. That, that's sex. what. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and that's kind of what it is. And but people bring this other kind of. Um, they they bring like a, like a Luke Skywalker-esque level yeah. of passion to it that I don't understand and makes me so confused. And one of the things that you mentioned to me, Peter, is that when you look at the reactions of No Time to Die, they were very weird.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. I a lot of the reviews and stuff and it's like, uh, okay, I didn't understand it, Um I thought you were going to bring up how I, I compared Spectre to The Last Jedi in that, like, I'm obsessed with Star Wars, and I love The Last Jedi, and, like, no. that come Yeah, right? I've never brought it up before. But um with... Because I'm uh, obsessed with that world and that series and stuff, like, that discussion I get, right? As far as, like, liking it versus not liking it. With here, even though I've seen every Bond film, I'm not, like, a Bond fanatic. So, like when 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 people say like they hate specter i'm i don't necessarily have like an emotional reaction i'm just confused like genuinely confused like okay i don't isn't this bond though like isn't this the point okay whatever you know <laughs> and then yeah the confusion spreads even wider when reading reviews and it's just kind of like uh, like i kind of have this idea of what bond is in my head and again i've seen every fucking film um, and I don't know, um, the way people view the franchise kind of throws me off. Right. But I also, but I don't have that like emotional trigger, I guess, in the same way with Star Wars. Uh, so it's just more confusion. So that's why I was really interested to see this one to go like, I don't know how I'm going to feel about it. Cause I don't. Know how I don't know how people digest the series as a whole. I seem to just not be on the same wavelength. Hmm. Um, so yeah, but that brings us to the film, right?
1: Yeah, um, as a longtime fan of the series, I didn't get the hate for Spectre either because the thing is, is that a lot of people they they wanted the same things that I did when it came to that movie, they wanted Daniel Craig to go against Blofeld in some capacity and we got that, you know, and it was amazing. Even when they announced the whole, you know, the title was going to be Spectre. They were like, Oh, okay. So that means Blofeld is coming in, you know, and I was absolutely thrilled with the fact that Christoph Waltz was playing, you know, him. Cause I think he's a terrific actor and I think he would play, you know, Blofeld amazingly. Um, And, you know, I wanted some of that cheesiness back, I wanted some gadgets to be back, you know, and I wanted, you know, some of the one-liners to be back as well, you know, and we, we got that, we got that, not only that, but I think that, you know, Spectre is probably like one of the most, like, for me, aside from Skyfall, um, one of the most, like, cinematically pleasing films to look at, you know, in terms of, like, the James Bond movies, um, so like I I never got the hate for Spectre, you know, even as a um, long time James Bond fan, and it just completely blows my mind. A lot of people were like saying like to- it's totally different from the Daniel Craig movies. Yes, but also you know with Spectre that was kind of the point. They wanted to dip into some of the classic Bondisms, you know, and that's what a lot of people were wanting. And yet you know, so it just comes to show that a lot of people don't know what they want. <laughs> you know, even when it comes to, like Star Wars and and stuff like that, it's just you get that impression, you know that people just don't know what they want. Um and like I think that this was, I think this is another like uh, instance where like no time to die, you know, with all the reaction you have going on with it. And honestly, I felt like it was the most Bondian movie of all of the Craig movies.
0: Yeah, a little bit more on this. Uh, as much as I don't understand the hate for Spectre, I also don't understand the adoration for Skyfall. Right? <laughs> Skyfall is really good, but people, even you know, looking on film Twitter and everything, it's like, oh man, Skyfall should have like been a contender for Best Picture, and I'm like, what?
1: <laughs> Here's Here's also a point of contention that I think is really, really confusing. Okay, so part of the reason why a lot of people don't like Spectre is because, like, oh, you know, they had to tie it with the other Craig movies and all that stuff. And I'm like, wait a minute. Aren't you guys the same people that are bitch, you know, that, you know, suck Marvel's dick for the same exact reason? (laughs) You know? I mean, the first two... Bond movies that Craig did are back to back companion pieces to one another, you know. So I don't understand how they were like. Oh, so everything had to tie back with one another. That's another big complaint about Spectre, and I just don't get it. I was like, but these same people are completely, you know, head over heels over Kevin Feige doing the same thing over there at Marvel. So I, I just don't understand. People are so fucking confusing.
0: Anything else more to add on this particular uh, thing, Peter? Um, No, no, no.
2: I think I, I said my piece.
0: Okay. So who wants to start off with uh, their thoughts on this new movie, No Time to Die?
2: <laughs>
0: Kyle, do you want to go last? <laughs> yeah.
2: Okay. I was waiting for that. I mean, I'll go first. Um I I think it might Thank you for getting that out of the way with. Me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um it might be my favorite Bond film. Uh it's really good. It I think it's really really I think it's pretty darn amazing from the start till the Cuba sequence. I I the, the Cuba stuff was so much fun. I I I really I really enjoyed that. After that At that point, it gets a little wonky, a little long in the nail, or whatever the fuck it's called. And it's... I think this film would... uh, It would really help if you shave off, like, 20 fucking minutes. It's... I will say, I think it's, it's like two hours and 40 minutes. And the story of James Bond... I'm sorry. It just... It never warrants that long a length. It's... Because at the end of the day, it always boils down to bad guy has super weapon that will destroy the world. We get it, Uh we got it, good, right? Like, it does not need that much padding out to make it try to seem something it's not, because that's all it is. Um, So, I I do feel it should have been shortened somehow by at least 20 minutes. Um, But no, but, like, I thought it was shot beautifully. I like how James Bond is actually a character here. How he, like, Grows and changes and has like emotional shit going on with other characters. Like what? It's, that's a, a novel idea, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> the action is great. The music, the music is really good because it it would piss me off in the other Bond films how they'd really just blue ball you with 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 the Bond music. But here it's like no, like cool shits happening. Like turner turner turner. Like they 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 lay in the the classic Bond themes and I'm like that fucking do it that's so much fun that's why I'm here you know um, and yeah overall I I, I yeah it, it's really enjoyable I think it it might be the best uh Craig Bond film and it might be wow. my favorite one um but uh, you got to remember I don't have the same reverence for Casino Royale Sky or Skyfall. So if you're one of those people who's like worships Skyfall and um, Casino Royale, I am not one. Of, I think they're very good. They are like they, they are very good, but I'm not one of those people that like worships them the way a lot of Bond fans do. So um, one
1: yeah. of them. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> it's not it just you.
2: It really is all of them. Like it's, it's it's a it's a widely known thing that that's the way a lot of them feel. But yeah, no, I I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, similarly with you, I'm not uh I don't have any reverence for Kissing Royale or or Skyfall. I think you what you said was right on the money. They're very good. But do I care? No. Uh and I also don't care if people feel like, oh, well, you know, this guy doesn't really get gen- well, whatever. That's that's what your whole thing and of course what do I know? I had Spectre as my favorite before this. Uh so with that being said, uh you're completely right. I feel like uh this is easily to me the the best of the Bond movies ever it's the best of the bond movies that i've seen uh and maybe probably in large part because what you're what you speak to peter is that they give james bond an actual character here and he grows and there's an arc here at a great completion to it that just makes it so much more interesting i noted several times that you know, with this film, more so than within Skyfall or Spectre or Casino Royale, I found myself actually giving a shit about what's going on with these characters and with James Bond and being emotionally moved several times all the way throughout. Uh so by that standard, it's not really any kind of contest like which one I prefer. It's this one pretty easily. And that's with of course some issues, but uh yeah, I I I, I really, really like this movie. Uh, it's a great ensemble. It's a fun ensemble at that. You can tell that these actors have been together for a while. Uh, and Craig is just, you know, it's, it, you know, it is going to be difficult to replace him uh, only because he is, he lives and breathes his character. Uh, the cinematography is just beyond beautiful. I mentioned to you, Peter, that, uh, Fukunaga really stole Damien Chazelle's cinematographer. Uh, and you can tell the movie is just Beautiful to look at. Some of the close up, close ups in particular of Daniel Craig, uh, are just breathtaking. Uh, and the action I feel in large part speaks for itself, but it is just the, with the, with the action and, and the score, it harkens back to this classic style of movie making, but with the sensibilities of the modern day era, uh, it's kind of every, every reason why I love movies. And if there's, this is one of the ones where I will say, if you're going to watch this, go to the theater and watch this movie. Cause you feel every bit of it. There are, like, I, and I, were we, you said, you know, uh, when we get from the beginning to Cuba, it is electric. Just the energy. Um, it does slow down, um, considerably, you know, to get some plot. Mechanizations getting through, get get the gang, I guess, back together to an extent. I know some people have used the uh, term drag uh, consistently uh, when it comes to the pace. What I will say about that is it is a very long movie and you feel that. Uh, especially yeah. <laughs> especially when you get to the to the last act and it's like, God damn, we still have a, at least a half hour of this to go to. However... I don't think, I don't want to say that it dragged for me because it has this connotation that, well, when it, when something is dragging, I kind of lose interest. There wasn't a single point in the movie where I lost interest. Like I was in this movie. And so from that standpoint, I don't necessarily mind, but I do agree that we could have, could have used some editing to maybe shorten it up just a bit. You know, some 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there. Um, I guess to me the biggest problem with the movie is uh, Rami Malek for how long it is two hours and forty five minutes that actor gets nothing. There's there's no thought given to that character for being more than what he's he is a plot device, and the performance was a complete misfire. I don't understand the appeal of that actor. I never have, um, and I think this performance he was going something that probably is a misfire. You know, akin to Jared Leto as the Joker. Yeah.
1: Wow, harsh words for Mr. Malick. Um, I absolutely adore this film. I honestly, the Craig era is the best era of James Bond by far. Um, the dips and valleys that this character has gone through—you know—from the loss of Vesper and Casino Royale to you know just like the continuous loss that he continually. To continuously suffers through throughout the entire course of his run. Um, it's, it's nice to have like some sort of semblance of, you know, any kind of <laughs> happiness that is going on with his life, you know, and it's nice to see a little bit of that. Uh, I love for daniel craig you know honestly the man can go no wrong you know can do no wrong you know and his acting chops his chemistry with leia sadu is amazing leia sadu my god like she ups the ante from her performance in Spectre, you know um i i this is the first time i've ever Sobbed <laughs> in a dis in a
0: not a Disney movie. A you see, you see how I'm used to <laughs> saying that. Um, that's your default because that's all you see in a theater or the Disney film. So to to not see a Disney movie in theater is rare for you. Um, yeah, but that's
2: very rare.
1: But anyway, <laughs> gentlemen, um, I think it's. Uh, you know this is the first time i've ever sobbed in a bond film you know and i and i just like it feels like this is a great finale to the greatness that is <laughs> uh daniel craig and or should i say Commander craig now um because uh the royal navy um gave him an honorary commander because it's commander bond and in the series so um but yeah uh, rami malik i think is really good underutilized i think um like you said um uh but he did do some things for me that i was like oh okay okay um i mean they're just amazing the um what we as in the bond community calls it the scooby gang i think the scooby gang was really 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 fun this time around, you know, Ben, Ben, Naomi, you know, and Rafe and Rory, Rory Kinnear. I think were, we're amazing. All of them were amazing. This is amazing. Hans Zimmer, I could actually, like, tell that it was a score this time instead of just Bonds. <laughs> you know, so I think Hans Zimmer, I'm like, where'd you pull that one out of your ass? Um, And that's coming from a hardcore Hans Zimmer fan over here, you know. So, um, yeah, Billie Eilish is number fantastic. Everything I think was fantastic. I have no I I I I don't have any complaints. You're you're going to hear a lot of, you know, positivity on this corner. You know, so
2: Yeah. Bullshit, you hated it. Sure, Peter. Sure.
1: So, spoilers?
0: Yes? I guess so, yeah.
1: Okay, I'm going to start with the big one. Big one, right off the bat. Right off the bat, okay? Bond um, is gay. Bond is gay. He is super duper duper gay. Um. <laughs> um no, uh, he... This is the movie where he both this is first in the series this is the first bond film where bond has a family and this is the first bond film where he dies yeah i think those are two huge takeaways from this movie however i'm uh me and the bond community are concerned as well of the, re- the of the um the legacy of this movie and i was talking to uh Alexis about this when we were coming home from the movie theater um that instead of being known as the one where um James Bond has a family which is like probably it should be the biggest um thing uh the biggest legacy of this movie um it's gonna be known as people point to that uh movie and point and say that that is the movie where James Bond dies
2: yeah, it, I mean that's that's the big thing, right? Um, at first, I thought the big thing was going to be that oh he had a kid, but no, the big thing is that um, he died, the one where James Bond dies. Uh, I, I, I guess this is like, what do you call it? Controversial for some people, mm-hmm. not for me. I liked it. Like, oh, he had a kid. Oh, he died. Like, I don't know. Like, James Bond felt like a character here more so than he usually ever is. And that worked really well for me. But then also you also understand that, like, once this Bond is done and gone, like, they're gonna get another Bond, right? Like, so you, you might as well finish this story how you want to finish it right like well we're we're basically going to reboot this shit anyway so let's let's tell the story that we actually want to tell and not just i don't know like handcuff ourselves for what right i cuz people are mad that it's not the exact same film they've been watching for <laughs> 40, 50. Yeah, so like
0: with with that, I say fuck those people. The only thing that's uh, the, that's the, the real fans.
1: But the only thing that bums me out though is the fact that the, um, that in like the fashion of the old movies, that the, um, that the core crew isn't gonna come back like Money, Penny, Q, um, M, and, um. Do you think
2: that's probably true, huh?
1: Yeah, because that's been a through line throughout the whole entire series and I thought that that's what they were going for, but
2: I guess not now that his story is over. Cuz M, know. but I mean, no, they can still come back. I mean, M was in The Goofiest Fuck um what's his name? Uh not this M, the other M. Uh, what's Judy her Dench? name? Judy Dench. She was in those Goofiest <laughs> Fuck uh uh other Bond films. In the in the Pierce Brosnan yeah movie. she was in the thing. crazy goofy ass fuck um Bro- uh, Pierce Brosnan films but then she perfectly made the jump to the these films and she still remained M so why couldn't these characters do that? But here's the thing: Judy
1: Dench already garnered that you know that juxtaposition of like or she is M like Judy Dench Ralph is M. The fine is not has not had enough films to mm. um to claim that. You know, he's only had two films of him as M. Yes, he made his debut in Skyfall, but he was only M in two films
0: out of the five. I don't think this matters. I I, I don't care either way, to be quite frank with you, when it comes to that group. Uh, they could bring them back and they'll just be different versions or they don't I guess I prefer for them not to come back because you just – you close out this story, just start all over from scratch. That would seem to make the most sense I I would be okay with that. (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't care, really, but that's just where it is. To what you were saying, Peter, before – about you know the decision to like you know kill bond off and people complaining as i say fuck fuck people who feel like oh well you know uh they killed him off and that's why i don't like this movie and that's why it'll be known as this as if it was a bad thing um as usual here we have a bold choice you know being made uh in in a long-standing franchise and fans just like how dare you change the thing that i wanted to be exactly the same as all the other ones and you know I hate that story and I hate those people. I think this is a very bold choice, and I think uh, it worked for the character and it worked for the movie, and I think it was all the better for it. Um, And uh, yeah, it's. I just think it's ridiculous to think that you know people. James Bond didn't die. Like there'll be more movies with a different James Bond. Like because that's. I. I don't. I don't understand the um the anger that is thrown around just because oh he died and everything. For me, that's where I'm coming from. Not like not in terms of like
1: anger because I appreciated the fact that they they killed off Bond, you know. But the thing is, is I you know that means that there's no. But you know
0: why I appreciated it because it's different. It's something new. Yes. Yes. In a in a franchise that has 25 movies.
1: But the fact that the that the core cast won't be returning next time around you know what about that i've I've grown attached to them i've grown attached to them you know so anyway um yeah i really loved seeing james like domestic james bond you know i love the fact that you know he you know he prepared his daughter breakfast, you know, and just like little little normal things like that, you know, I think really uh I would say boldly, even though I love uh Casino Royale, you know, brought Bond a little bit more further into reality because of that, because he was more domesticated, you know? I don't know how you guys feel about that.
2: Um how do you feel about it, Alexis?
0: Uh I think it was part of why maybe I you know uh connected more to him as a character in this movie than the others because there's he gets to be a person right Mhm um
2: I So I like that. <laughs> I like how as a whole these bond films kind of tell just a narrative. They do, yeah. Like it's one it's one thing, although I saw some people on Twitter point this out, and it is pretty funny how the um they kind of jump the gun and like the first two films are about a very green, very new um spy just learning the ropes, and then Skyfall is about this old man <laughs> who's 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 been in it for too long, and it's like, what the fuck we go directly from uh you, Did we skip a movie? Yeah, or two? I felt like we skipped a couple <laughs> movies <laughs> because it goes directly into that with Skyfall. Um, you see, if you play the
1: video game 007 oh, link, okay. uh, legends <laughs> You get the <laughs> the, the, the story he, in between. He he Daniel Craig's James Bond pretty much relives the old missions from the old James Bond movies. he meets pussy galore he meets goldfinger he meets all these
2: characters mind you it's completely stupid and i'm making a stupid point Mm. (laughs) the only thing missing from these Craig films was the character pussy galore
0: i'm not gonna comment on that name i can't believe that actually exists Mm Um the thing with this ending also is just like, you know, it is also a big fuck you to people who, you know, adhere to canon and everything, you know? And it's also a big fuck you to this like, you know, to what you said Peter, this like this Disney Plus mentality of stories never have to end. No, it gave us an ending and it was a great ending at that. And it kind of proves why stories need to have endings, great endings to have value, not to be continuously open ending or setting up what's next. So I really did appreciate that.
1: It's also very fitting that um, that they completely start over after the 25th. You know, you're a quarter away from 100, you know. So, I think, like, you know, just cutting off the um, umbilical quarter at 25, I think is really a, a fascinating choice as well. Wait, okay. So, what you guys didn't feel anything for Safin
2: and all that stuff play by Rami Malik, No. Well, one of the things that happened was we were so far into the film and then we met him yeah. for the first time. And I realized, holy shit, we just met the villain for the first time. We have so much movie left. Um, and, and I was like, Jesus fuck. Um, and, and that really, um, that kind of dominated my thinking when we first saw him, but I really (laughs) thought they're going to like dive into him as a character and they don't. He plays villain man, right? Like there's, there's kind of inklings about like, he wants revenge, but like, okay, what's your great plan? I will take, it's literally, I will take over the world, right? Like I, they really should have gave him a mustache so that he could twirl it. Cause, That's what he was as a villain. And I feel like if you're going to do that, at least make him cooler. Like, give him a metal arm. I don't know. Like, do something. Uh, I I feel like all the, the James Bond film villains up until this point were built up to be very personal in the ways that they got to him. Well, I guess he did get to him in a pretty personal way. Um, but like, in the ways that they were connected, like, between him and his villains. And here... Are you talking about... There the is no Craig, connection. Are you talking about he, here in the Craig era, right? Yeah, within the Craig era.
0: Yeah, Peter's right. There is no connection here. I mean, I... there And there were... Um, and... From a connect from the narrative standpoint, from the the writing aspect, you know how these villains are interweaved into the you know the character in and of himself, you know, with Bond. Then also in terms of the performing aspect, I don't think it it, it just can't compare to Mads Mikkelsen, Javier Bardem, or even Christoph Waltz. It just doesn't.
2: Yeah, it it's not. It's mm, and they just don't really give him much, right? Like I I'm no. He's just a boring creep. He, yeah, that's kind of it. I don't hate. It. I don't is. hate him in the way that Alexis does. You know, he's he does he does a serviceable job. I think it's he's a serviceable villain. Um, he. It's just kind of. I don't know. They didn't give him much. Like they built him up a lot. I, that's the other they thing. Do. They built him up too much. There was so much buildup, and then when you finally get to him, it's like, oh, okay don't have this much fucking build up then just show
0: him yeah it it service of villains are a dime a dozen these days but most of the time i can overlook it if you have a good enough performance if you have a good enough actor in the role i can come out at the other end of it and like you know what because of the actor i ended up liking you or i can tolerate you um but it's like I was telling this to Peter. I I far preferred, even though again I don't care about the movie whatsoever. But I far preferred Ray Winstone in Black Widow, because he was fucking Ray Winstone, and he brought some kind of character to that performance.
2: I uh, yeah, I could just see him go like, I'm, "I'm Ray
0: Winstone.
2: I'm fucking kill you, Bond." Like I can, <laughs> I can, I can imagine that. Um, and you know, maybe they would have gave him some. I don't know. Made him visually look cool. But yeah, here it's just kind of like
0: I don't know. Rami Malik is just overrated. He, he is. I and you know it's like Peter has these actors that he will you know throw out there and say that they're overrated. Well, I have mine as well. I know. And Ra- Malik never, never did it for me. I, I guess for me, it's hard to pin it on him
2: when I feel like they didn't. They gave him nothing.
0: Well, I can't pin it on him because the, I mean. Yes, you're right. They gave him nothing. But on top of that, the performance was just—I don't. know. It felt like it, it belonged in a different movie. Yeah. It it didn't fit with what was going on there. I see. I I think it was serviceable.
2: I don't think it was that bad or that different. I think it was serviceable. It's like yes, you are playing. You're right. It's serviceable,
0: but it's terrible in video. compared to everything else. The film yeah, everything else by. is a
2: lot better. Oh yeah.
0: There's such a gap mm-hmm. in I, I would say quality. Yeah, because far by I think far and away that is the, the the weakest
2: aspect of the movie is the villain. Especially because like okay, this is the guy that killed Spectre. Technically, he and Blowfield. killed Blowfield and Blowfield. Yeah, yeah, and it's like. There should be really something to this guy, right? Like, like, holy shit, there should be shit. weight of some kind, especially because again, they build him up throughout the entire fucking movie. Like, who is this guy? Oh my god, how is he doing this? Burr, 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 burr. Mumble, 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 mumble. Um, and then uh, I, he's just kind of, I don't know, I he's Freddie Mercury.
0: don't remind me. (laughs) You
1: know, honestly, like, I was joking with with my dad about it, but I'm like, wouldn't it be funny, because you know how all Bond villains, they have their monologues, right? And it would be funny, is this the real life, or is this just fantasy, Mr. Bond, caught in a landslide, (laughs) and no escape from reality? (laughs) I mean, might as well do that, and lean into that ridiculousness. Um... But yeah. Um God, I love his lair though. Like his lair was freaking fantastic. Like finally. Yeah. In the Daniel Craig era, we have a proper lair.
2: Yeah. It did again, it did remind me of those old James Bond films where you get to the lair and he's they're like sneaking around and it's like hundreds of people. And this, you know, random island, and it's like, how is this even are how are they affording this? What the fuck? Yeah. Um <laughs> yeah, it did feel very classic, James Bond, with that whole shit.
1: And like the thing is is that like that scene that he was like talking to him and Bond was talking with uh, Safin and did it ring a bell with you with um what it looked like? What it was very reminiscent of?
2: Uh Dr. No. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was. V- they pretty
1: much ripped off Doctor. No. They should
2: have just called him Doctor. No, because at least you have that nostalgia bit in there. I was waiting for it. I thought he was. Okay, they were going he the to be Doctor. No. Here's
1: why they wanted a course correct because they hated the fact that a lot of um, movie going audiences hated the fact that his that they were like, "Oh, Blofeld, who was that?" You know. So if you don't know the series well. Dr. No would be uh, an unknown name to a lot of people and thus, like, not have that kind of impact. You know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, but I don't... At least I would remember his name. I can't tell you his name. What was his name? Lucifer Safin. Okay. I didn't know it. <laughs> yeah. I... I like how... Like, Okay, first of
1: all, I like how brutal... Daniel, I think this is the most brutal James Bond has ever been, because he, like, remember when he, like, was fighting him at the final scene, and he freaking straight up broke his arm? Oh, yeah, he fucked him up. Yeah, you never see James Bond fuck up a villain like that. You know? And so I like that. I like how, like, some of the allusions that they had to, like, the books, because that, some- that was something that Fleming Bond would do. Like, no problem. I like the, um... I like the reference to You Only Live Twice, where... Um... In the book, where... uh, Bond says to Blofeld, Die, Blofeld, die. And that was the final words that James Bond said to Blofeld when in, uh, in the book. So I like that. I like the fact that if you, like, pay attention a little bit, um, Safin's heart is on the opposite side of where it should be. Um you know anatomically um that is and so like his heart you know it's supposed to be on the left side but it's Mm -hmm. but it's actually on the right side and when uh remember when uh madeline shot him he shot him in the heart you know but he didn't die because his heart his heart's on the other side yeah it's playing allusion and homage to that bit and that and the villain that had that was Doctor No, you know, and the Poison Garden was, in you only live twice in the book, and you have all these like illusions and references, even to like the, some of Roger Moore films when uh you had uh what's his uh Billy Magnussen, what I don't know what his name is, yeah like Billy his, Madison, the character's name, I don't yeah know. um Logan Ash, there we go, that's his name, that's the oh the American. Name. Yeah. Um uh, I like the allusion to For Your Eyes Only. Remember when he killed that when he pushed that guy off the cliff in the car?
2: Oh. Oh, yeah. I get. Okay. Okay, good. Yeah.
1: I like that allusion. I liked in the title sequence they alluded to Dr. No and Thunderball. They should have like, just
2: called him fucking Dr. No. <laughs>
1: Uh, I mean, the okay. title was there, No Time to Die, and plus the type of mask that he wore at the beginning of the movie. That's why you know I what?
2: thought because Dr. No wore, didn't he? He had that fucking mask, right?
1: No, no, but here's the thing in Japanese culture, you know what that mask is
2: called? Huh. A no. Well, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <sighs> hey, yeah, you know what? In my mind, he's just Dr. No. It, like, it fucking changes anything Uh, because dr no is the same way he's like i will control everyone ha 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 like uh i just fucking call him dr no Uh, whatever whatever um but no yeah visually i think we can all agree
0: stunning oh yeah Yeah, very good stunning on every level there are actual sets in here um, all of the action sequences landed. Uh, the opening one was a thrill. I mean, sp- we oh, can rave about yeah, the Cuba, the Italia. Cuba one with Ana. De, the Cuba one with Ana de Armas was sensational. Uh, I'm a big fan of the one shot. You know, with Craig mm-hmm. going up the stairs, taking out all of the the henchmen while trying to get to the silo system. Uh uh-huh. I love, I love the one liner. Like
1: he never gets one line. The, Craig never got one liners in his run and the fact that he had one and it freaking what worked was when he blew up um Cyclops. i'm gonna call him cyclops because right, yeah what that's he his name him.
2: he calls him cyclops in the movie
1: yeah i also another allusion to james bond past you know with the characters names, like jaws yeah. you know and all that stuff i like that um but also the fact that you know Eli, he was like you know uh, the electromagnetic watch blew up his eye and he I had to say, you know, I had to show them your new watch cue really blew up. It really blew their mind, you know? And the fact that they play like the little last refrain of the James Bond theme was actually like, you know, it was the creme de la creme, you know, of, of, uh, of reasons why I really, really enjoyed this movie. What do we think about uh, Billy Eilish's song in the, in the title sequence? Cause that's a big, Big thing in the in the Bond Pantheon.
2: Well, uh, I am uh, Gen Z, so I'm required to like it. Oh, because of Billie Eilish. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh um, it's good. It's good. It you know what? It fits really well with like because I joked, that, like, I knew it was in for a long movie when 45 minutes in and we're barely getting to the fucking title, opening <laughs> title sequence. But it does fit perfectly with, with like, because there's a very, like, sort of heartbreaking moment and then boom right into the, the music. And it's about betrayal and love. And then uh, it, it works really well within the film. And then it comes out. It comes back. It's They kind of use it as, like, their love theme throughout the film, which yeah. I think is cool. I think that I really, really works.
1: Yeah, that's the thing that, you know, if you really work in your, like, main theme song into the movie, uh, which a lot of the Craig movies have been, like, missing, the fact that they really, like, went for it this time around, I think was a really nice additional bonus. Hans
0: Zimmer outdid himself yeah. here um, in a long – it's the best he's been in a while, where it didn't just feel like wa on top of wahs, you know? Uh he cranked out those themes. He had those motifs in there. It's like and it's just also just bombastic too. It, it felt like a classic movie score. It yeah. did. Very
2: Oh, I loved it. And and I think it's because he wasn't afraid to just lean into those classic Bond themes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, like yeah, we have they fucking work for a reason.
1: Uh-huh. Like what? Like we have all the time in the world from louis armstrong from on her Majesty's secret service and the way that they you know wrap that in and kind of become like their um it kind of becomes like their mantra you know we have all the time of the world you know mm-hmm. kind of thing and i i really enjoyed that as well the only time that the callback musical callback was really weird was when they played the on her majesty's um theme um, the dun when um Em and Bond were talking out
2: on out by the Thames. Yeah, I think Ew, that I was guess really it was weird. a little weird, but I don't know. For the most part, it worked. And just just to talk about Billie Eilish's song, the best Bond themes are the themes that incorporate the title. I want to yeah. hear you sing the title. Um, it's, to me, that's, I don't know why, that's like half the fun of the fucking theme song. So the fact that it, she does sing, there's just no time to die. Like, okay, perfect. You went yeah. Good. Um, okay, do you give?
1: okay, do you Carly Simon's uh, uh, Nobody Does It Better, a pass? Because they do reference the title in that no, song.
2: But I give no? uh, Live and Let Die a, a pass because it's a great fucking song. It is a great song. Paul McCartney and the Wings always,
1: always does it well. <laughs> what did you think of the song, Alexis? Everything Peter said. <laughs> Everything that Peter said. Okay. Um, yeah. A little back to Rami Malek. I think that the um the stunt casting of him is a little dated, though. What do you mean stunt? Ca- oh, I don't know what you mean. Stunt casting because they casted him fresh off of his Oscar win for. A uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, like that's when they did that.
2: Oh, I don't know if that's stunt casting. I, uh, I guess we, you're saying like when it, when he was hot and now he's not so yeah, hot. and now he's not hot. Like he's barely in the echelon of pop culture now. I don't think he's fallen that hard. I <laughs> uh, you thought I was yeah I know it. it's like. <laughs> you just like who? Th- who's, no one gives a fuck about Rami Malek anymore. Like, I don't think it's it's <laughs> it's geez. that bad. Like, no, no, no. no. Um, I think so. I mean, uh, what else has he done? I I, I I don't know. But actors, I don't. Know. I I just don't think it's it's that bad. <laughs> he's okay. probably done I, other stuff. I feel like he's still people still know who the fuck Rami Malek is. Um, the I like. I really I loved Anna Dearmas. She was so she was so cool. I want more of her. I do, but that I do, but that's not me asking for a spin-off. That just means yeah. she left you wanting more. I thought she was so much fun. Um
0: No, that whole sequence was uh like I mentioned before, it was sensational. Yeah. And with her, it's just a reminder of what an exciting presence she is. Yeah. Uh when any movie she's in. And like I told Kyle, it kind of reminds me of the versatility of Emily Blunt's uh uh, repertoire, basically, and that is Armas is just, you know, picking different kinds of roles and just crushing all of them.
2: Really, she is. No, she is. She's doing great. Um, I'm trying to think what else. A little Knives Out reunion, too?
1: You
0: know, not, not Yeah, better. that's true. Uh, Q? I get why she was only there for that one mm-hmm. scene, but I also... I don't know where I, I, there probably wasn't any reason for her to be in the movie any longer. There wasn't, no. but I kind of wish she was just to get more of her and Craig together. They had great chemistry, bouncing off each. Other. Oh, they, they did really. It did. was so I much want to fun.
1: See another. To see another movie with them, too, I think would be fantastic.
2: Like, oh, my God. Like, the scene where it's, like, they they just finished shooting up the place, and then they're about to escape, but he pours them both a drink first. Yes. And they're, like, all right, like, let's go do this. Like, oh, it's so much fun. It's, like, all that stuff to me is, like, okay, this is why I come to see a Bond film. You know, they're they're dressed to the nines, fancy party, exotic locations, Mm. music's popping. That Cuba... Um,
1: Spectre party was phenomenal. Yeah. I love the fact that Blofeld was kind of spiritually there through the eye. Um, that's a, it's a very Blofeld thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, but yeah, the lavish party, you know, them, you know, dressed head to toe, you know, all fancy like. I think it's just... What I love about James Bond, you know, is that, you know, because of that, you know, extravagant, you know, escapism that James Bond is allowed to do, I think that, that, like, it adds to that flavor that's really good and what drew me to James Bond in the first place.
2: But there's also, like, a fun back-and-forth dynamic with the new 007 and, like, them going back and forth with, like, stealing the the operative the, the the scientist that they're trying to escape with so yeah you also yeah. have like mm-hmm. that fun that fun aspect added into the mix the
0: scientist himself was like a really fun character yeah. off of the side you know yeah
2: I thought but with the La- yeah I thought there
1: would have been a point in the movie where he would have turned to the side of good um but the that fact that he, he stayed- racist what
2: are you talking about? <laughs>
1: The fact that, yeah, that he was racist, that he was just bad in general, I think just was absolutely amazing. And also, like, they kind of say the title in the movie, and that's, that's how I feel about, you know, with the titles as well. You got to say the title of the movie, you know, and the thing. And it's like, there's only so many movies that they've done that with. Um,
0: but I would say that the film really did a lot of, um, for me, of course I can't speak to a lot of other people who have their hard um their hardline opinions but I would venture to say the film earned a lot of goodwill by really having a strong female supporting cast and just these wonderful like um you know Leah Seydoux Ana de Armas LaShana Lynch just kicking ass I uh, that was great to oh, see Oh yeah and then of course Bond not being a woman I mean a he, uh, he's, also helps. he's still a
2: womanizer he's just not a rapist this time
0: yeah, like yeah. He respects I'll put it this week. Sean Connery would not have taken a no
2: from Anna Diarmas when they were in that closet.
1: Oh no, that <laughs> that would have been another story altogether.
2: Mm-hmm. I.e., look at Thunderball. Oh god! Oh, don't. Look and at I think the movie,
0: th- this film, can really. What it did with these particular female characters going kind of help turn the narrative, turn the tide of like the long-standing history of misogyny, oh, and can I, you know, with the film and the, and the franchise of James Bond?
1: Can I talk to you guys about something real quick? Okay, so I don't know what it what it was in me, but I was really peeved off um, when I was scrolling through Instagram one fine day, <laughs> and I saw. An ad for no time to die, you know, Lashana Lynch supporting the new Omega Seamaster watch, which I think is absolutely a fantastic watch. One of my grail watches. But anyway, I saw an ad for that watch and boy, the comments were unkind, and I went at it. I went at it on on Instagram. And even like two other people were, uh, were in the fight as well. I commented um, to everybody on the on the comment thing. uh um, boys, did the spy girl hurt your little masculinity? And then I had one comment say, "Get lost, bootlicker." One person said, "LMFAO." No thanks, you lost a fan here. Um, let me think. Um, somebody somebody mocked. Um, The fact that I have my pronouns um, (laughs) on Instagram and put he
0: slash him. Isn't that what Gina Carano did about a year ago? She was mocking people's pronouns on social media. Remember that? Yeah. One of the things that she did.
2: Yeah. Yeah. American Um, hero uh, Gina Carano. (laughs) Somebody said...
1: A long way of saying that they don't like woke culture is not really just a bit sad pandering in the waning days of an exhausted franchise where they milk it for just a little bit more by trying to appeal to the Disney Marvel Star Wars fans that lack a (laughs) fundamental understanding of weaponized nostalgia wrapped in modern fill-in-the-blank equality-centric marketing. God damn okay another person said
2: th- um but james bond is literally just a male fantasy like it's i okay i never mind keep going
1: okay somebody somebody was kind of on my side and said uh, they just don't get it she's not the new bond but the new 007 but they what's there to be angry about Um, somebody said maybe yours and comment to like fragile masculinity. (laughs) Um, let me see. Let me see what else there was somebody. Hold on. Let me, let me get to it. Let me get to
2: it. Let me see. I will say, even if she was the new Bond, I would have no issue with that. No,
1: actually like one of my, my my wish fulfillment things of happening at the end of this movie was the fact that she took on the name James Bond <laughs>
2: okay. and
1: and did the gun barrel herself.
2: Oh, and I'd like
1: <laughs> and I would have been like badass. That would have been completely badass. And I I would have loved that. Um but yeah, I mean just like other other things and it'll it'll go on for a long time because that fight went on for like two days (laughs) but yeah i mean it's
0: just it's just one of those things that i'm just like
1: really really guys
0: yeah i for one happen to think equality is a good thing just putting that out there because one of those comments was like you know making it seem as if that was a problem which, if you think equality is a problem, I don't care what you have to say anymore. But I, I, I
2: guess it's like that. the The one comment who's even defending you, where it's like, like they're stupid. Like she doesn't even take over Bond. I'm so much like I, I don't like doing that because it, it's. I hate how these people are so stupid that you're put on defense, defense of kind of giving into their narrative. Of if this happened, it would be bad, right? So like I don't w- I whenever they attack like, oh, woke culture, I don't like saying like this isn't woke culture. this is- I just like saying, you know what, woke culture is good, so get fucked. Like I'd rather say that than um try and say that it's not because it's not even if it's not actually woke culture. to me, arguing with them that it isn't is giving into their narrative that if it was, it would be bad. So I rather just say, even you know what? May, if you're right, fucking good. <laughs> oh, um, two more comments. I wanna, I
1: wanna add. Um, somebody, oh boy, my, mind you, it's this person's words, not mine. It's just unrealistic. What does she weigh? Ninety pounds. If you want to use a girl for Double O Seven, then get one that fits the part.
2: Just like Sheena? Justin Bieber would not oh. make a good bond. Justin Bieber would make a perfect Bond. What are you talking about? I thought he was going to say, just like Jada Corrado. <laughs> oh. Oh, no. Justin Bieber. Okay. Um, one
1: person, like, nailed it on the head and said, it's probably a little bit more than her gender that bothers them. You know, which I agree. You know?
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I-, I think it's literally just, it is the gender, like, Yeah. They fucking, it's a women thing with them. I don't know. Uh, women but, thing yeah. and a
1: race thing. I mean, but well. this
2: this kind of stuff that happens, it's just kind of become a mainstay prevalent thing of just modern culture, especially film. Ever
0: since like, Captain Marvel, really. It's. Been, I think like...
2: it blew up with The Last Jedi. I think it became a fucking industry. With the last Jedi. And now you that know, I, industry yeah. has looked for anything they can latch, latch on to since then to keep the money rolling in. To to keep that outreach culture moving.
0: Yeah, because that's ultimately how uh these particular channels uh that's that's really the objective of these channels. It's not really to, you know, speak to these issues. They're making these things up. In some cases, they do believe it, but a lot of them they realize this is their industry, this is what they do, and that oftentimes is really what a lot of um conservative media personalities are is they're bad faith actors, they're actors, like what you said the other week uh you know Alex Jones is an actor yeah they they're they're phonies, and they rip people off and what does that say about the the right wing? Well, I think that's pretty self evident. <laughs>
1: Yeah. But like the just the un un you know, unbashed hate towards Lashana Lynch I find really disarming, you know, and I just I mean, it's uh, you know, it's to be expected, but honestly, like I, I feel bad, you know, and I because honestly, like watching her in the movie it you know, itself, I adore Nomi, you know, I think she was an amazing character. I loved you know, seeing her go toe to toe with James Bond and actually James Bond, like much like Michelle Yeoh in I, in tomorrow never dies. uh, Like Bond has met her, you
0: know, his match, you know? I mean, just like, let's say aside from that, you're, you're right. Yes. I think Lashana Lynch was a great addition to the cast. I think she's a great character and she kicked ass and I loved it. I think she was wonder. And she, when she partnered up with, with Bond at the end of the movie, it was great that as far as the movie is concerned, that's where it it ends. But, this whole thing about, you know, why it is, do the, why, you know, it's being accused of wokeism and what's ultimately their problem? These men online who, you know, like to think of this franchise and all franchises as their own, they, in trying to understand their perspective, they don't like the fact that they as men no longer get to claim ownership of all the leading roles in Hollywood. And that whenever a male character is, you know, pushed to the side to focus on a female character, that means that they are personally victimized and that men are being persecuted. And that is so full of shit to say that, you know, throughout all of the history of time and space, that you seriously are going to promote this idea that men as a group are are under siege and that they need any kind of defense. You are woefully ignorant and beyond idiotic that words can't fully describe. Aside from being misogynistic and disgusting and full of shit. And racist, don't forget racist.
1: Because it's just amazing how they didn't go after Leia do. They didn't go after Ooh, she's a, a bond girl. girl. Exactly. <laughs> <They> <laughs> She's,
0: a, she She's in her place. <laughs>
2: oh God!
0: But no, that's true. Um, Peter's not saying that. He's he's picking up what these illegitimate people feel. Yeah. All right. Um,
1: I I thoroughly I love this movie. I cried twice when uh, when. I see Craig, my James Bond die, you know, and it just like, I'm just like, Ugh, it's really over. It's really over, you know? And I just, I, it, it, it's a really bittersweet film in that regard for me because of that. And, um and yeah, I just, Daniel Craig, nobody does it better. Nobody does it better, you know? And I think Craig, you know he it to me he is James Bond you know he forever is going to be my James Bond like people in the 60s you know uh thought Sean Connery was their bond or Roger Moore was their bond in the 70s and you know so on so on you know and I and I feel that I feel that way when it comes to Daniel Craig Daniel Craig is my bond like and I I I'm gonna I'm gonna miss him I'm gonna I'm gonna very much miss them, but I can't wait to see what um Eon Productions does with um with Bond going forward. Um Yeah. The hunt for the next James Bond is next year. So we're gonna see what happens. We're gonna and I'll for sure talk about it. Until then, um uh, Miss uh, Mr. Martinez, mm-hmm. we have a podcast to finish.
2: Um all I have to say is the feminists emasculated and then killed Luke Skywalker right in front of you, and then they emasculated and killed James Bond right in front of you. What okay. will it take before you people wake up?
1: Are you are you suggesting that I am a sheeple?
2: Yes, uh, a beta male soy boy cuck hard.
1: Okay. Oh, not to offend um, you guys as well, mm-hmm. but when I'm sitting down,
2: I tend to cross my legs as well. No, that does not surprise me in the least.
0: Yeah, I've noticed that. Um, no, I-, I noticed that because uh, you kind of take up a lot of space, you know, when one person's sitting yeah, next to
2: you. He is a disgusting man always taking up space that doesn't belong to him. hmm yeah.
1: I try not to manspread. <laughs>
2: Spread those cheeks. Anyways, go ahead, Alexis. Oh, God.
0: (laughs) I think the movie's great. My favorite James Bond film. Um, I think it's one of the best movies of the year. And it shows a level of um, it shows a a caliber of filmmaking. I wish other um, films like this would would take, but don't and suffer as a result of it. It was refreshing to see, you know, beautiful, luscious scenes full of life, full of you know performances and a score um, that didn't feel half-assed, that didn't feel like an afterthought, that actually felt like there was purpose to it and care to it. That didn't look like it was overly CGI. Um, and ultimately had a big ending and a profound one at that. um, go watch it. I love movies um, and this movie reminded me why they're so great to experiencing them, experience them on the big screen.
2: It reminded me how beautifully made and intimate blockbusters can be. yes, so yeah, go go check it out on the big screen. It's 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 a good
0: one. Yeah, and I think we're uh, we're we're good to wrap it up here. Yes, yeah. All right, thank you so much for listening to our show. Um, as a reminder, catch us next week when we talk about. Halloween kills Michael Myers comes back, and let's see if he gets Laurie Strode this time. Uh, we can't wait to see how that turns out. And stick around for To the Table, as well as Fantasy Fair Podcast. Uh, and here on Red Spotlight, keep it here, stay under our spotlight, and we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>